Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with. Super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens. I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this, it's so good for my digestion, my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life, and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it, and I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste, and the taste is actually really refreshing, and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't, don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good, um, and it's good for you, so remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible, just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer, and he had, he had those every single day. He said it, it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash OLLC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meat, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. And get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash OLOC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. Stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. I just saw Miley yeah, Cyrus. I haven't, I'm, uh, before I do the intro, who, who the guest is today, I went to the Taylor Hawkins thing, and uh, it was a really beautiful evening, and Miley, uh, Miley Cyrus performed with Def Leppard. Uh, it was an incredible photograph. That was epic. Photograph. That's my favorite Def Leppard song. 
She probably Lacey here, ladies and gentlemen. My my man. Sorry, yeah, what's up? It's okay. Um, I love that and song. And so, yeah, Miley Cyrus performed, and then Pink performed Barracuda with Heart. I like Pink a lot. I don't Ladies know and gentlemen, Def Robbie Hoffman's here today as my guest. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I think Pink is fantastic. <laughs> She's had a couple of big hits. Yeah. You know, I don't like that she has to stick with Pink. I feel she feels pigeonholed into Pink. Like, Pink, we if you wanted to have black hair, we don't care, Pink. Was yeah. her, what's her real name, Carissa? No. Shoot. And I also oh think low-key, and she doesn't have to, and we shouldn't be outing people, but could be a lesbian. It doesn't matter. But if you're going to have a short haircut, <laughs> just at least pay homage. Say, the lesbian community, I appreciate you letting me appropriate mm. the style. You know, I've borrowed from the dyke community. And you know what? I'll give you one song or something. Maybe make a bisexual song or something, a Carly Rae Jepsen type of thing. But anyway. She did that? Maybe cut that. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Alicia. Her name is Alicia. Yeah. So I got to see you perform uh, a couple oh, wow. months back with Chappelle. Yes. And you were amazing. And I felt, I felt a connection to like I knew you for a long time for some reason because you're probably a New Yorker. Yeah. And uh, and you have a Rappaport vibe to me, which is a compliment. I've met Michael Rappaport. We were such fans growing up of the show Boston Public, Ooh. which I feel like nobody watched but my family. We got into weird, like we were like, and we were in it to win it. Um, but yeah, Michael Rappaport was really fun. And I also love him on the Wendy Williams show. Yeah, um, I don't think it. he should have. Well, he's he didn't take over. No, no, it's done. I don't it's know. Done. Why, yeah, they get if it's a Sherry ship. I have my own opinion. You, you can't give the Wendy show if Wendy's gone. The show is out. Yeah. Like, what are we yeah. doing? Yeah. You know, Wendy's not happy. Like, you can't imagine that she's happy losing her show to another I person. I think oh, they made it. They oh, gave Sherry Shepard the Wendy Williams. Why did they just give Sherry wow. Shepard her own show? That's what I'm saying. That is what and, I'm and saying. And not like something that. That's it. That's wow. a tough transition. It's it's tough, and people who love Wendy love Wendy. You yeah. know, she's grassroots. She came up from nowhere. She started at the six week sneak peek, and she really built a New York show for new. You know, like she really did. a great. She's just an amazing personality. She made gaff after gaff, which is what we love from daytime. We don't want you in the lines necessarily. Yeah. That's why we have. We had Ellen until we didn't have Ellen. Yeah, okay? she's gone now, right? She's retired from that. I, I'm not sure. Mm. Who, Ellen or yeah, Wendy? Yeah, Ellen, yeah. Oh, Ellen got canceled. Really stepped up. Yeah, she really, we went hard on that one. But anyway, um, I liked Michael Rapaport on Ellen as well. And I met him once after, I don't know if it, yeah, it was at Just for Laughs. I met him oh, at yeah. an after party. Um, I was doing a lot of shows there. And I guess he did a gala or something. And I went up to him and he was gracious. And I don't always say I'm a fan, but I get excited at after parties and things like that. And I go, eh, who cares? I know people don't like <laughs> To be, it's like the uncool thing to go up to someone and say, I like your work. I don't care to be uncool. Yeah. I you want to be I cool, love saying cool. It. I love saying it. Yeah. You be cool, McCool. Yeah. I'm going to say my shit, mm-hmm. pay my respects, and that's what I'm going to do. It makes people's day. It makes people like, stuff yeah. you're doing yeah, something. It's you know like, what cool, I mean? yeah. Like, yeah. I think Rapport should have his own show, though, for sure, like a daytime show, because the ratings were great for him. He killed it. People loved him. You know, I think he should have his own show someday. I think hopefully. he can just do a podcast. I don't think he's broad enough. I think they've mm. been trying with him for so long. Listen, when you try with something, so he could just have that audience. He has a good audience. Yeah. It's a small but robust, and, and that's it. Some people aren't going to be mega, and it's like we don't have to keep trying. Just do your own thing. Do a podcast, whatever. You know, I, I think after you know 30 years or something in a business like that or whatever somebody like him is on, it's like just accept and enjoy yeah, what, what you have at a certain he point. Just, he just goes with it. He goes with the flow. He'll yeah. He really things. does. Um. Well, thank you for being here. So you talk about watching TV with your family. So yeah. there's your your parents had nine children? Ten. Ten children. And you're yeah. number seven? I'm number seven. Good memory. Wow. 
Yeah. So how was like wh- what kind of house did you grow up in? Like how big poor. was your house? That's one of the first questions I get. And we were so poor. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. Uh, shout out to Shani who comes up in a couple podcasts now. But she was telling me she's like, I can't even believe how poor you were. Like we knew you were poor, but now as grown ups, like you were. You know, I lived in a three bedroom duplex. Okay. Okay, one of the rooms wasn't really a bedroom. Like we, everything that was a room was turned into a bedroom. So it's tough for me to say bedroom. The yeah. only common spaces we had was the living room and the kitchen. And kind of like this open space between those, like a hallway type of space. Yeah. Um, you know, we were three or four in a room. My mother had her own room. Yeah. Pretty nice. Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so my mother had her own room. And then we kind she of had this room. like basement where my great uncle lived and my brothers yeah um now the basement if you call my brother schmully goes we lived in a hallway it also (laughs) was not a room like what it was was it was like a through to the garage like it was like you went downstairs to the garage but my mother stuck two bunk beds there on either end and then they had even smaller like space between almost like sleeping on a tour bus or a ship tour bus yes is is like that's the space they had and they put i remember they had a life-size Carl Malone, the mailman poster. Okay. And I think it must have been the length of the whole wall. And then that's where they had the laundry and the basketball. My brothers loved basketball. And that was their whole room. And I called my brother recently because I sometimes delve into like how insane that we even made it anywhere. Yeah. But, and I don't want to get here with my brother, but I felt like I needed to know the teenage years. There was a point where my brothers were 13, 14, 15, 16. Or, sorry, maybe 12, and then it jumps me, and then my brothers again, 14, 15, 16. So all teenagers sleeping in the same corridor. Two si- He's like, my brother goes, how many rooms you know have two, have two doors on either side? Ma was coming in with the laundry because the gar- laundry machine was in the garage. Wow. The garage was not, you like my great uncle had like, you know, a really shitty Chevy and whatever, and none of us had licenses. And my mother was just traipsing through, doing like six loads of laundry a day. And I said, you know, boys are growing. You're hormonal. What is going on in that room? Because no as privacy. girls, yeah, we yeah, were yeah. fine. No privacy. No privacy. Yeah. And, and I know people come at me like girls are the same. I know it's not the same. Boys are at it. So <laughs> I, I needed to know what the hell. And he said, I could tell you I never did. Okay. But I can't speak for Schneer. Wow. Okay. And that's, I was like, whoa. He's like, I can't speak for the others. I could tell you I didn't until the bat. Like, he was in the shower type of thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's, only, okay. it's only private time you have at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he said, I could tell you I didn't, but I can't speak for shower. I'm like, wow. Wow. Because I don't even understand that. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So I go up. It's one of the first questions I get how big was your house? And my house was smaller than anybody I knew. I went to a really rich school. I think, Chappelle, we've talked about something like this. Mm hmm. Um, but a lot of your comedy touches on stuff that that's why I feel like connected to you. But yeah. I went to a rich school on subsidy. I went to a rich private Jewish school. Okay. And at this school, everybody was very wealthy, but for a couple kids. And so that was even highlighted how poor I was, mm. you know, because yeah. I was poor. Even my, some of my brothers, they didn't do well at the private school. So they went to public school. We were poor even for public school. 
We were just so many people in that house. Like that house would have been normal if you had one kid or yeah or two or like my great uncle Eddie was living there before eleven people came in unannounced and and moved in with him. It would have been fine for like an old couple, but it exacerbated that we were twelve people. Yeah, living there. That's what yeah. made it. That's what made the conditions. You know, because the house itself. Okay, it's a small part. It's fine for you know raising one or two maybe. Yeah, if they're you know you know, if they can share a room or that type of thing. But it was just, yeah, we were a lot poorer um, as as things go on. I, I realized that. But also I did feel poor because I was one of the kids in my family who went to a rich school. So I was very embarrassed by everything. I was made to be embarrassed too. Because I remember I would have friends over and shattered again to Shani. I don't know how we even maintained a friendship still. But like <laughs> she, she did come over and she was like, your house smells. And it did smell. <laughs> like, the shit stank. Like, I don't... It did smell. It's a bunch of kids in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My <laughs> great-uncle Eddie is pissing his pants. He's, like, you know, in his 80s, taking in a million kids. Damn. Like, you know, and he pissed himself all the time. And the shit... And my mother's always cooking. My mother was, you know, for as poor as we were, my mother cooked every single day. Um... You know, and that smells like we yeah. always have shit going. And my mother kept us fed. I think a lot of people assume we didn't have food and stuff, especially also my size. I mean, like I'm pretty small, <laughs> but my mother, we always had so much food. My mother was like no frills parenting, like almost like an immigrant mentality, like even though she's Canadian. Um, and at this time we were in Canada, but she was like, I will keep these kids fed. Yeah. Sheltered. Yeah. Educated. Period. Period. That's a great foundation. You know, you really think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And she just, she just focused on those three things. And we had the hunger, not only, you know, I don't think we had the hunger, you know, physically, but the hunger to just do whatever we needed to do. I remember when we went to, my mother has such a reverence for doctors, you know, and my friend, again, I was at this school. My friend was, her father was a periodontist. Shout out to Allie. Um, I just called the other day. I want to see how our kids are doing, but he would pass my mother who would wait. My mother doesn't have a license and would take the bus all around town. And she, my mother tried to teach music lessons. She plays the guitar. So she would traipse around in Montreal, Canada, which can be minus 35, Yes, you know, blizzard with a guitar in her back, you know, to make 15 bucks an hour, whatever she was making with the lessons. And he would be leaving his office and drive right by the bus to the nice neighborhood. And his office was near kind of one of the bad areas where a lot of doctor's office are randomly like, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. and he would see my mother and he'd be like, you know, Connie, let me, let me drive you. I know you're, te- you know, you're teaching the kids in this area or whatever. I live there. Let me, nope, nope. He's a periodontist. He's busy. And he would tell me when I was at his, he's like, Our, your kid is at my house every weekend. <laughs> I, you know, it was, it's my, pla- I'm going there. She's my mother at home. I would, I would say, you know. Allie told me her dad saw you again and you refused to lift again. You know, he's a doctor. I'm like, but he's going home. Like, <laughs> the doctor's got to go home. Like, yeah. Yeah. he's literally on his way home. You're teaching after school. He ends at five. It's like literally perfect. It's his pleasure to. He's driving. Yeah. And she just would always, and he would tell me, I saw your mother again waiting at the bus in the car. And she refuses. You can tell her she can take a lift. Was there like a pride thing for her? Like, She not doesn't take anything. Out, like no snoring. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, she doesn't like she She's doesn't tough. like snoring, which yeah. is like a Yiddish word for like you don't snore. You have what you have and that's it. You don't need wow. anything yeah. from anyone. And I remember wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
How long did you live? So you, were you born in Canada or New York? New York. Born, yeah, so how yeah. long were you there for before you went to Just Canada? Just till a little kid and then I grew up mostly in Canada. My mother is from Montreal. That's why we ended yeah. up there when we left the Hasidic community because she had her support there. Again, my great uncle Eddie who had this little duplex <laughs> that we literally, you know, yeah. uh, classically took over you know i don't want to bring in the you know israel palestine uh dynamic there but we were jews being jews no and i'm kidding i that's not that's just a joke let me joke <laughs> jews do not come at me but we will come and take your house like this is what happened to another jew you know this is this is exactly what happened supposed to be temporary my mother had the house until last year until she sold it oh wow really wow oh yeah oh yeah she 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 was are there. we the same age yeah 33 how old are you i'm 35 yeah, we're around the same age. Where uh, did you grow up? I grew up in Arizona. Oh, okay. I thought, man, I was like, imagine <laughs> he said Ottawa, Canada. I'd yeah, I was in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then where was your pops? Was he in the picture? So my father is somewhere in Nevada. He's not in the picture. He's still very, very religious, Hasidic, ultra Orthodox How Jewish. was he in the picture early on? He was. It wasn't a good picture. Um, I grew up in a very, like, role-defining, you know, traditional Hasidic culture where you know and, and that's not that's not indicative of all Hasidic families actually I yeah. know a lot of very yeah. involved fathers it's just the roles are very defined the woman takes care of the home and the man kind of yeah. provides my father uh, my parent my both my parents were very young when they had all of us um, and I think it was a lot but my father was not very involved and they had a terrible marriage and then when we left it's not the kind of community that you can kind of maintain split custody or something you're yeah. either in that community or you're not in that community wow. so once you leave you're no, out kind of yeah so we were out but we were still quite religious i mean yeah. you know and some things stay with you forever you know i was kosher till 19 um what does know, that mean to the things, listeners what does that mean kosher is just dietary restrictions about is that vegan kind of or no no you know what it's about and this is a long answer you're having me on a podcast i'm a long-winded talker this good. is the way it is but this is kashrut for those listening what kosher is is it's a set of defined dietary restrictions to incorporate humanity into the way that you eat so we're eating but we're eating consciously okay so we know we have to eat animals okay and we don't have to but in judaism we we acknowledge that there's a food chain and whatever and some people don't even believe that but we do and but if you're going to eat an animal there's a way to apply your humanity to it so for instance a hunted animal is not kosher because you can't guarantee that you kill it instantly okay unless you have perfect aim even if you have perfect aim it's never a hundred percent foolproof yeah. so because you don't know that you can guarantee the least suffering for the animal it's not kosher mm. the only way that you can guarantee you have to apply as much humanity as you can when killing an animal gotcha. so what we've come up with is a you've got to do it somebody's got to do it you can't be removed from the experience so a human person has to do it wow i believe and th these things stretch sect to sect and different things. But um, the tenets of it are you have to kill it. You have to slaughter it by um, cutting it quickly in its jugular, in its neck. Because that is the quickest way we know so far that an animal stops suffering. It dies instantly or wow. as instantly as possible. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. The way you kill an animal is very important to the way that it, if an animal is kosher or not. Because you can have a kosher animal technically but it was killed improperly, you must bury it and honor it. It's not fair. So there's a lot of like professional judgment. Did you try and limit the suffering? That sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, that, wow. Yeah. The other thing is, is the intense. animal must yeah. live freely. It must graze the fields. 
which is the language. So you can't have a cooked up cow is not a kosher cow. No. Because a cow should just be roaming and, and grass fed and that sort of thing. It should be as natural to the cow's expe- you know, experience. I think baby animals are not kosher, like veal. I yeah. can't be right on that. But things that like, aren't natural, like it shouldn't die that way or, or whatever. Um, and then animals who don't keep clean. The reason a pig is not kosher is because it eats its own feces. The reason shellfish isn't kosher is because it's dirty. Yeah. So I think biblically speaking, these were all ways to keep you free of disease in hindsight. Yeah. Like they were very simple rules like don't eat a dirty animal. You won't get, you know, cholera or or malaria or any diseases that animals carry, you know, just because the nature of their hygiene or lack thereof. So it was a way to kind of keep use and and now it's almost an organic healthy diet that everybody's come back to this green you know green grass fed or you know uh kind of organic living is a lot of the same tenants that we see in kashrut kosher or, or halal food for um you know muslims who also practice a lot of the same kind of cleanliness and the ways yeah. in which we define what animals are edible the reason we don't last point on kashrut and there's so much you can talk about here we don't mix milk and meat is again for the applying humanity you don't wash down an animal with what it feeds its young with wow 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 i've heard that word kosher so many damn me times too. and i never knew yeah. what it was yeah i yeah. always thought it was wow. like a vegan vibe with a different name because like no dairy yeah. So, yeah yeah well i know like certain religions like a, you know especially like um you know nation of islam like they mm-hmm. don't eat uh pork or yeah. anything of that nature i believe and, and it's there's a, a similar of, reason yeah yeah fasting involved yeah a lot of fasting involved yeah um, you you don't laugh at an animal that you killed you appreciate it that it yeah. fed your family but you don't wash it down milk is reserved for its young so you make sure the meat has digested you wait six hours the meat is not in your body when you have a you know and then you can have a dairy meal or something like that you keep the two wow. separate wow yeah can you be vegan too if you want yeah, of course. That's yeah. all kosher. Did yeah. you know he yeah. was vegan? It's terrible. I, I was vegan for <laughs> years. It's terrible. I'd rather be kosher than vegan. Yeah, you were vegan really? before? I, I dated a vegan. You know, all, all the people tell me, like, you were vegan. Like, whenever they saw me without my girlfriend, I was, like, desperate for a steak. Like, I'm like, <laughs> let's go to Ruth's Chris or whatever. Like, I'm like, I got to get in. <laughs> so, like, you were terrible vegan, but. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? I think it's just over. I don't do anything anymore. Uh-huh. The world, I don't recycle. I do nothing. Just it is over, folks. Until corporations do it, you're not putting it on little old me. Yeah, right. What? I'm not doing yeah. nothing. Hey, I, I fucks with that. You I know? fucks with that mentality. Yeah. Show, you, show your hands. Show your hands. What oh. is it? What's uh, the cow? Oh, it's counter pig, yeah. Nice. He's got a counter pig tattoo right. on. It's okay. He loves animals. That's why I like these conversations with people. Wait, yeah, so yeah. are you vegan still? Yeah. Since uh, I was 18, since nineteen, You're still vegan. Since 1988. So I was it's 18. over, man. I'm 52. It's over, man. <laughs> but do I look like I'm 52? I yeah, you look 52, but you look Thanks. good. <laughs> I don't know what ages look like. I'm yeah. like, yeah. but you look good. That's yeah. why, I, I, yeah, I was like, I wonder, I didn't know your there age. There are ugly 52. There are nice there's, 52. There's, there's you look some... hot. Yeah. What? And these are, and these are your frames. Yes. I saw that you're making your own frames. Yeah. That's a big endeavor. Thank you. I'm a glasses wearer lifelong yeah, since fourth grade. Um so how was it growing up in a house full of all those kids? And did you feel right. you got the attention? Did you get, 
You feel like you was it hard for your mom to keep track of everyone and spend time with everybody? See me, I'm on this podcast now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> intention goes. Good point. You know That's what? I don't point. know. This is a simple answer. I don't know what is different. I would say it's so tough to compare a family of like a nuclear family of four, two parents, two kids, to a family of twelve, two parents, ten kids. Mm-hmm. There's a community element and a co-raising that happens in my family. Yeah. The co-raising is so big. Like I wasn't, no, I didn't get enough attention from my mother probably, but I got so much attention from my siblings in a way that other people don't. So I I really don't know. There's really like, it's totally a different, you know, they're just different ways of growing up. I grew up more communally. Um, you know, it's not the best thing to be learning from older siblings and stuff, you know, but I learned a lot Mm -hmm. kind of haphazardly. There's shit, you know, when I got my period, my sister, the first thing she told me is like, whatever you do, don't tell ma, you know, and <laughs> it was just like, you know, it's just like where people, girls will go to their mother or something. I was like, oh my God, yeah. I remember going to the pharmacy with my mother shopping and I wanted always pads. And I don't know how many women listeners you have, but always pads versus regular pads. And I'll teach you that like regular, my mother's pads were diaper thick. Like they were like, you were wearing a brick under, like yeah. you couldn't wear, pa- like you looked, you felt like you were like. And my mother's, you know, buying like these old lady pads from like the dollar store. So I remember I went to the pharmacy. I threw in a box. So sue me of always pads, which like they're very thin. Yeah. They have wings like they make it fun for girls that it's not so embarrassing. That yeah. it's like it fits the underwear you're wearing. It's like you're not feeling like you're wearing a diaper. You maybe just change them a little more often, but they last a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So I threw in a box. We get to the cash. My mom's like, who put these in here? <laughs> it's like, clearly I'm the only kid with her. Like, there's nobody <laughs> around. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm like, well, I'm so embarrassed. She's like, no, we don't buy like $8 a box. You put these back. Like, just uh, be on. We have pads at home. Like, that was the acknowledgement of my period. Like, it we was, always, there yeah. was no even, at some point I got my period and that's how she found out. But there was no ever... If like you need this shit, down, we yeah, have yeah. it at home. Yeah, there's no sit down. And no conversations all about that, yeah. I do remember Birds she had my bees. brothers in the kitchen at one point yelling. My mother's also hearing impaired. So it closes the kitchen door, Um, which, and just yelling, if a girl is pregnant, it's your fault. Like, I don't know what she gave. <laughs> I think she threw condoms at them. They were like, what is going on with this woman? <laughs> like, she was like, if, if, a, if a girl's pregnant, you know, and that was the talk they got. Like, you better yeah. not get anyone pregnant but they were like okay crazy lady yeah, yeah. What's, what's what's wild is like like listening to your story because I, I don't think i've ever knew, known it i mean we've talked like a little yeah. bit but it what's what's interesting about you i feel like you have this uh very strong independence even though you grew up around right yeah. a lot of people which too. most people i feel like when they grow up around a lot of people they s- tend to stick to that you know like community sense and need to be around like groups more often. Yeah. Whereas you just seem very, um, very ind- independent. Like you walk where you want to walk and you do exactly what the fuck you want to do. Is yeah, that, is that, that's is really that fair, interesting. Is that no, it's say? really interesting. And I think both are, I think it's true. I think both are true. I think beyond the communal co-raising of each other, of siblings teaching each other and learning by, by seeing them. Yeah. There's also so much self-raising yeah. that I did when you don't have such involved parents and not just my father being, really absent but my mother being absent by virtue of taking care of everything and I don't mean she was home every you know my mother was omnipresent I would say 
so present, but also that emotional side, a little more absent, you learn to self-raise. And one of the things I've gotten really good at is listening or, you know, in some ways good at, especially like maybe career stuff, but it's like listening to myself and my gut. Like when I was, because you're co-raising and you're making decisions for yourself, like when I was younger, for instance, when I started comedy, and first I was in finance and I got like a steady job and then I was Counting doing comedy. communications, right? Yeah. Um, he's done his research. <laughs> but um, to do comedy, at first it became like a whisper. It's like a very faint thing. Like you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. And then it like gets louder. And then it's like blaring. And then it's like somebody's knocking down mm. the door. I now can hear the whisper. Like now when I make a decision, like when I knew to move from Montreal to Toronto, we did it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like it is so fine tuned to where I can hear whispers from so far away. Um, and I think that's the self-raising element that went into, you know, because we grew up so together for so long, but then I moved out at 17 because resources were so limited. Mm. 17, 18, most of us moved out. And then I'm like, Okay. And so it's like, it's both. It's exactly what you said. And it's also the other thing. I also am fine to be around people for a long time and find solace in that. Like yeah. I can have a girl with me 24 seven. Like I like, let's say a girlfriend, she can be in the house 24 seven. I can still feel alone. I can be alone, do everything I need to do alone. Some people need to be alone, alone, alone. Yeah. But I know how to be in a, alone in a room with two other girls in it. Yeah. Just girls, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting that I can always yeah. be alone even when I'm not alone um, I, I because I, I, I know that. how to do... Yeah, so it's, it's always like column A and column B. Um, a lot of us are fiercely independent kind of in the world because we had to be. There's no dependence on my mother in terms of like resources or that sort yeah. of thing. So we were kind of all given... Like my mother said, like, you're going to be sheltered, you're going to be fed, you're going to be educated, and then you're going to swim. And that is what we've done. A lot of my yeah. siblings have done are, are quite independent, and you know, by by regular standards, doing well, which oh, is very, good. which is very cool to see. Yeah, when you when you moved out, would you go to college or something? Or? No, I went. Well, I was still um, in Montreal. You have something called CJP, yeah, which is like college light. It takes a year off college, but it's like for you to figure out what to do. Yeah. So I went to Dawson College, um, and I, I moved out. Um, I was paying four thirty five month in rent it was wow. excellent and then um and then i went to mcgill in uh, montreal yeah yeah and i always lived like way off campus which i always felt like i didn't get like the university experience because i didn't live in the dorm because that's a fortune i went on scholarship and i lived so far off because my apartment was so cheap and so then when i moved to toronto i learned that lesson like rob you're always gonna live exactly where you want to live you're gonna spend a little bit more yeah. but you're not gonna be in an area you're not going to be out of the action. You're going to try and afford to live where you... So that was something to propel more money. Like, yeah. I always have to afford to live where I want to live. I'm not doing that again. I'm not missing out on an experience mm-hmm. of being around my peers and, and that type of mm. talk and that type of energy and getting to be a part of it. So I moved to Toronto. I moved to the Abra. I wanted to move in. When I moved to LA, I lived in Echo Park, right in the action. I love I'm that. always... Where, if I want to be in the action and when I want to be in the country... You better believe I'm going to have the house that I want in the country. Like that is a goal for me to always just 
live where I want to live and not make money the priority in that case. Yeah. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and there's so many other times when you grow up poor, you know, you don't know when to spend the money, when not to spend the money, yeah. how much to spend. But that's something I've designated as an important expenditure for me. Yeah. Was it, was you felt the big freedom going on your own too? I did. It's scary. Was it scary? Like um, say, yeah, yeah, it's a free. It was. It, it felt like an abandon. It felt like ugh. I felt like all my friends could live with their parents and that sort of thing. And it, it life just felt so hard. I was doing school. I was working. It was just. It was. It, it was. And it was hard. And I was. I also was like outed. Um, I didn't want to be gay. As soon you know, you got poor. You go up this way, and it's like gay. I'm like, no, I don't think so. We're gonna marry rich and get the fuck. You know, because I could have married. I mean. I did very well with boys and yeah. a lot of these kids were rich and I could marry them tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> I wouldn't even flinch from my wallet. I'd be like, I'm not, you're not flinching for shit. Wow. When I went out with guys, I didn't move. Think of the rudest bitch you ever went out with. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I did not care. I'm wow. like, it's easier for men to make money, make money. Yeah. I don't want to make And now when I came gay, I'm like, I got to make cat. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm the boy yeah look on top of it i'm like what <laughs> i couldn't even be the girl lesbian yeah. like i would have been the girl one yeah now i gotta be the boy one i gotta go work and so now I, once <laughs> i committed that i have to go work i fucking work yeah but it always felt like the harder thing came at me did you like girls growing up no that's the thing too it's like maybe i'm not even gay <laughs> like here's the whole thing too i say so, like first of all i was around jewish boys I was like, okay. So that's, that's pretty much lesbians. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, wow. This is, I went to a lesbian school. They all, you know, like if you look at Jewish boys and you look at the non Jewish boys, smaller for long. And this is, by the way, do not come at me, Jews. I don't check my, I don't care. Okay. You've confused me with someone who cares. Um, but no, they were kind of like, I wasn't sexual for so, like, even though I was like, I literally gave hand jobs all the time. Let me just open that. Shouts okay. out to a good hand job. Yeah. Um, oh, and good, shit. good is maybe an over. I use no lube, no spin, oh nothing. It's God. a friction filled hand job. Wow. <laughs> and they came back for more. They were desperate in those times. <laughs> like, hey, you got any yeah. more of those hand jobs? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I almost wasn't sexual. It was more of like an attention thing. I loved, you know, I loved chilling, hanging yeah. out. Yeah. I still love all that. Minus the hand jobs. <laughs> but. I really wasn't sexual. I kind of was like this and I was more into fun and I really liked school and I really just liked like my friend, you know, I I just wasn't sexual for so long. And then I met a girl um, in Dawson college, this Catholic girl who had a cross over her bed and she lived at home in like the type of house that had like plastic covering everything. And I lived in my own apartment and I would say, why do we have to, sleep here with a cross and like I, I understand we're doing lesbian but it's like we don't have to we don't have to defile we don't have to like insult the man yeah. I mean this is literally Jesus on top of the yeah. bed I'm like I don't feel you know I have my own apartment but yeah. she was very big on like splitting our time like she oh, wanted to like 17 or 18 okay and then her parents thought I turned her gay even though I was very feminine presenting at the time the bitch is like graffitiing all over the city I'm like she obviously turned me gay. <laughs> you know, she would like graffiti buildings in Montreal that oh, were wow. like beautiful. Like, you know, the 300-year-old buildings. Because I would say to her, I'm like, you think you're adding to this gorgeous piece of architecture <laughs> with your little tag? 
Because she would say, like, look out for the cops. I'm like, I'm going to call the cops. Like, I'm the kind of person. <laughs> yeah, I'll call the cops. Like, I'm not looking out. So. so that's the first girl you attracted to pretty much that you met? Yeah. The wow. first girl we taught. Yeah. Because my dad was sending me. We were kind of on and off. My dad, I didn't really have a relationship, but I was desperate for money for $200. And my dad sent it. He would send me $200. I was putting myself, through, again, I'm like just yeah. on my own. And my dad was going to send me $200 to Western Union. And I didn't know what it was. And uh, she was like, I know where the Western Union is. She smoked this on the pot. I'm like, now I know why she knew. But um, <laughs> she walked me to it. We picked up the money. I felt really good to have some money. And we went to uh, the Starbucks above a bookstore, the chapters in Montreal. And we spoke for so long. I remember, you know, very cute experience. I remember writing her name in Hebrew for her and things like that. And um, And we dated, but she made it. She really wanted to be public. Mm-hmm. And I was very, A, I wasn't sure. And I'm like, no. Like, I remember we were waiting on the platform for the subway after school one day. And she was like, hold my hand. I'm like, at the school sub? I'm like, not even a chance. <laughs> what are you, fucking gay? Like, I'm like, get away from me. And like, she was like, if you don't hold my hand, I'm, I'm going to get onto that subway car without you. And I'm like, fucking go. Wow. I'm like, there's not even a prayer. And uh, then we were outed and it was a really bad, because my friends were not cool. Like my friends, we were all sheltered Jewish kids. Like, even though, yeah, gay was accepted. You know, this is like literally, you know, I don't know, 2012. I don't know what year this is. Like, obviously gay is accepted, Mm -hmm. but it's not. In my community, it was still conservative. It wasn't ultra-Orthodox. It was still conservative Jewish mentality where there was a not. Plus, on top of it, I was I was the girl who, like, we had one dyke that I knew, this girl who would come in. So she would come into the cafeteria. I'm like, look at that dyke. Like, that was me. Wow. Like, I was doing this shit. Yeah. And I didn't want to be the girl who walks into the cafeteria. And they're like, there's the dyke. Yeah. And so I had the classic, like, internalized homophobia. And so, by the way, Still gain a shame to the day I die. Wow. I don't celebrate pride. I'm not doing nothing. Okay. <laughs> Proud of what? Proud of what? Gain a shame to the day I die. And that's the way gay should be. That's the way I like it. A little bit of humbleness. Listen, it's not for everyone. Stop pitching <laughs> it for everyone, okay? Did you did you uh you told your parents obviously back then or no? Yeah. I did. I told my mother was cool with it. And then my mother joined another religion. And so she's not cool with it. My mother's addicted to cults. Like people fall in uh. love with people. My mother loves that community. Damn, how many has she been in? Yeah, she's been a couple now. But you know what? <laughs> I feel she's on the way out. Well, she had 10 kids for the Hasidic Jewish yeah. cause. Um, it's funny. My mother always says, if you asked her how many kids, I'm like, you know, how many kids she wanted. If you asked me, I would have had one or two. I'm like. Don't tell me that. I'm seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you're like, seventh on the line. Like I'm, <laughs> it's an insane thing. How incredible is she, she? How incredible is she on the microphone? Oh, she's great. Because most people don't talk in the mic. Like, I just got to give you a shout out because you're like moving the mic to your mouth. I love that. People don't talk in the mic. You're professional. Yeah, yeah no, Thank no, you I, for that. I love to. You know what? I lo- thank you for acknowledging that. Nobody and does that. why I like you acknowledging that is we love talk. We have an appreciation for talk. There's so many people talking who should not be talking. Yeah. And I take it personally because <laughs> because it is an art. It's an ancient art. It's one of the first things like expressing yourself and talking. Now yeah. everybody gets to talk and there's no deciphering between good talking and bad talking. We know how to talk. Let us talk. We know yeah. how to work the mic. We know how to do our shit. Okay. I appreciate it. 
You know how to bank. You know how to do whatever the hell you do. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Shout, um, out to, shout out to banking. So were you a comedy fan in growing up too? Never. Wow. No, I wasn't a fan. Well, uh, Did you uh, watch comedy? No, not really. We watched again Boston Public. Shout out to Boston so, uh, Public. Or, <laughs> I liked <laughs> Sex in the City, which I guess is a comedy. Yeah. Was that like shocking uh, to watch for you like back then? No, because you know what? My mother would put it on Saturday night. I would watch it with her because at this point we were like, we were still to everyone else religious, but not nearly as religious as we had mm. grown okay. up. So for us, it was like, yeah, we were kosher. And yes, we did Shabbat and the candles and the Kiddush and all that stuff. But we still want like my mother would put it on and my mother would say it's like her living her 20s again, because okay. when she was in her 20s, she was having kids. She had 10 kids by 30. Wow. Massive vagina. So she didn't get... By 30? By 30, she wow. had 10. I'm a mother's seventh. She had me at 27. And did she remarry and find new love? No, no. I think she's God ace. Bless. I think she's just never... She like, was never dog, she had it. 10 kids. I know, I'm saying, but she had like... <laughs> but, but, oh, but she raised it pretty much herself. So it was like, did it, she find love after oh, that? Like, like, a new man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember somebody... I think she has a distrust for men and I couldn't speak to her and, and we would have to, you know, I don't want to like speak too much for her, but there was somebody that she dated once. I think she met him at the like the synagogue singles or whatever, single parenting support group, something like that. And I could be wrong about that even. I was so yeah. young when this happened. I was only a teenager. But I remember the guy came to the house and maybe she dated him a couple times. Jewish guy. Kind of a schlubby guy, which is classic. But um, do not come out. Okay. And <laughs> he w- we had we lived across from a schoolyard. Yeah. And on the weekend, like we would use that as like our backyard type of thing. And we would play baseball and different things in there. And he went out. To, and my mother would always read on the porch. My mother was always reading and watching us outside. And she was like looking over at one point and my little brother who um, I would say, you know, he's on the spectrum. Um, nobody's diagnosed with anything in my family. So we have to be very careful when talking about this. But if Shalom, <laughs> if you're listening, something's off. OK. And he would we were speaking. Uh, we, we were playing this, the, 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 you know, just baseball or whatever. And something happened where my brother wasn't standing in the right spot. I don't know. We didn't really know the rules of yeah. this. We were basketball kids. But this guy's trying to get like a ball game going. And we're like, eh. But it's sunny in the outfit. Like, we don't really want. And we're like, eh. Can we play basketball in the driveway? Like, literally. So he moved my brother. He was like, stand here. And mm. he moved him by holding, by pushing his shoulder. You know, by pushing him yeah. into the spot. And my mother came over. I was like, you will, you never touch my kids. And we, we just all had to go back in the house. And that was wow. the end of that. Damn. She just knew when to speak up. Like she was just not about that. Like, no, I don't care if it's friendly. I don't care. You like, this was like maybe a third day. You, you, I can touch my kids. You can't touch my kids. Wow. And that was it. She didn't like how he was to my brother. And we never saw him again or talked about it ever again. Wow. And we moved on. My mother cooked that night. Like nothing, like literally nothing. Just like everybody back in the house. We're like, okay, baseball's over. Damn. Yeah. My mother just knew when to lay it down, but she mostly was, was kind of away from everything. Like I remember yeah. I went on this Shabbaton, which is a weekend away from my school. It's like a, a religious weekend where all the kids go and we get to sleep over for two nights somewhere. And, um, and kids, they kids like to miss out prayers, miss out lessons, yeah. miss out. So we were teenagers, and we all skipped morning prayers and went to go listen to music in somebody's room. And the vice principal came, knocking on the door, knock, 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 found us all there. I was like, you're all in trouble. And then she pulls me back. 
She goes, you of all people, because I'm on like subsidy at the school. It's like a fancy school and I shouldn't even be, you know, mm. you of all people. Plus I came from a slightly a, a more religious background. So I should be more religious still and I shouldn't break the rule and I should be lucky I'm there. So I was kind of like chilling at my house, like doing homework at the kitchen table, like maybe a week after this. And my mother was like, how was that Shabbaton I sent you on for 175 Canadian? You know, like, <laughs> like what happened there? Did they, did you make any art? Like, yeah. what did you do on that shit? You know, like yeah. where did the money go? I was like, oh, it's good. You know, we got in trouble. Like I could tell my mom stuff like that. She, I was like, we wanted, we were like sick of the prayers and whatever. And so we went to go listen to music and then, you know, she pulled me aside and was like, you of all people. My mother was kind of listening, cooking, but she was like, what did she do? Take a mental note right there. Yeah. And my mother was like, what happened? And I'm like, oh, you know, we all got in trouble. I was with Shania. I was with all these people. And like, we were listening to music. And then she was like, you know, and I felt bad and kind of like, she's right. And she's like, my mother called the school. My mother never calls anything. Wow. She's like, you will not single out my kid. Either help to help or don't help at all. I'll send her to the public school. She, you were not to mention money with my kid. You're not to mention anything, make her feel othered in any way, shape, or form. Man. Your mom's a fucking boss. Your mom's a G, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just fucking knew G. when to speak up, but she's otherwise a very quiet, kind Canadian, just like hardworking lady. Wow. Yeah. Never is your really. mom still with us? She's of here. course. No, ma, shout now? out to Ma. Uh, she's 62. Oh, that's young. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 62. That's young, man. That's incredible. Yeah. Your I could mom's be wrong legend, on that. She man. could be 60 or 60. She's between 60 to 62. Sorry, yeah. Ma. She gets it wrong, too. We were celebrating <laughs> her 56th birthday. And then she goes, my sister goes, can I see your card? And, and my sister goes, you're 55. <laughs> <laughs> She goes, no, so no, let me see that. Let me see that. And we're looking wow. at my mother's ID. It's like, you're 55, Ma. It's she's born in 61 then? I no. guess if she's... Oh, well, Maybe you she's in... Yeah. So um, after you graduated, did that CPA program, then you quit like the first day or something? Yeah. Yeah, you betcha. You want to do, do writing and comedy and stuff? Well, no, I went into... I wanted more... I, I quit because, yes, A, that. I just knew it, I wasn't going to go long-term with it. Yeah. And, um, and then I got a finance job. I worked in investment banking, um, for eight months and I made just a lot of money. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm very stressful, but I'm very motivated by money and I okay. enjoy it. <laughs> and at the time I really liked it. Yeah. And I was the only lesbian I knew who had even a dollar, but all the girls I went to school with, they all came from Connecticut, upstate New York. Like yeah. their parents are paying for McGill, like they're rich kids and they don't have any money. So here I am, the poor kid, but making, you know, I had an internship at a fancy firm and then I was doing banging and I'm like, shots, shots. shots. Like, I'm like Man. living up like, you know, and they're all studying women's studies and gender studies. And I'm going, you're not going to make any money. <laughs> <laughs> what is even the point? <laughs> I just, yeah, I wouldn't do comedy. Like, there's nothing. I am solely motivated. Yeah. Like I, like, I can't do, I can't be poor in art. Like, I am not motivated by poverty. The starving artist thing, I don't enjoy it. I don't like to be poor. Um, so the motivation not to be poor, I think, is a big drive for me. Wow. Yeah. So were you writing, were you writing most of your life? Were you journaling? Were you writing stuff? I wrote in high school. I really, but I didn't, I wasn't considered a smart kid in high school, even though I was smart. Yeah. It, it was one of those things where it's like, I got, 70s and you know i i got like 60s and 70s so i don't know in high school we do we do it a hundred like over a hundred so what's 60s maybe it's like D's. that's like a d that's like a d yeah right d's and c's 
And then ninth grade, Mr. Nathanson, who I think was dodging the Vietnam War, so was teaching Canadian history in Canada. (laughs) He had a very sketchy, you could never really... And he wanted to make some list in the Canadian school board that was like the 100 best, you know, Canadian history teachers or something. So he wanted our class to do really well on the exam. So he offered $100 of his own money, I think, to every kid who gets 100 on the exam. Wow. Because this probably affected his promotion or something. Yeah. And I was like, $100? It's like a crisp 100. I memorized every (laughs) fucking date. (laughs) Okay. I got 100 on the exam. Wow. I got 100 bucks. And it's the first time I was like, whoa, I did it. Uh, yeah. yeah, like yeah. I think eleven of us got a hundred of the whole class, you know, out of the whole Wait, this grade, is maybe six college. No, this is in high school, high ninth school. grade. Wow. From then on, I only got A's. I never thought I could do it. Yeah, never even attempted doing it. You give me one hundred dollars <laughs> for more money than I ever could have thought at the time, and I did it. And that's when it started to click that oh, I can do stuff. Yeah. Um. Well, I was always wild. About a lot you know as i'm talking this much now i always enjoyed to talk Um, my whole family likes to talk and i always was kind of a loud kid and that didn't coincide with being a smart kid Mm. but i think low-key i started getting recognition i had teachers who noticed my writing and things like that and it really helped me but then again when it was the prospect because my mother said you know with university not everybody's built for school my mother never pushed school because of how expensive it was yeah and my mother would prefer that people go get my brothers, you know, kind of get trades and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And they did. You know, I have uh, two brothers, the construction workers and stuff like that. But my mother didn't believe in just pouring money to school if you weren't there. Now, I was academic and I did do well at it. But my mother said, you know, I can't pay for none of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I got into McGill, I kind of, it's the only school I applied to. I wrote a letter. And... And that's it, because I said either I get into a school like that or I don't go to school at all. In fact, I had a teacher who said that they wanted to put me at Yale. Like wow. this drama teacher, he had, he would, because it was, again, it was a very fancy school. So he would teach something or do some summer program at Yale yeah. for the young, for the first years. And he said he could get my letter. Like he would either write me a letter. I forget what it was at the time. If I applied to Yale, he'll let them look at my application, mm-hmm. something like that. Then I looked up the application fee was 60 USD. I'm like, that's out. <laughs> <laughs> I never replied. He was like, what did you do? I was like, $60 USD. Are you out of your mind? It's 87 Canadian. Wow. Like, who's got the money? Yeah. And I just applied to McGill because it was free. It was there. And if I got in, I would qualify for, you know, subsidy. And then I ended up getting a scholarship. But my mother, the day I got in, I, I you know, I was like, Mom, I'm going to, I'm starting McGill and um, tomorrow and whatever. And, and then she was like, I can't help with that. Mm. Um, but but so when I got into Miguel, it was like, what's the least amount of school I could do for the most amount of payoff? And that's where accounting came in. They were like, yeah. they'll give you a job this summer if you do well enough. And I knew that if I study, I do well. Yeah, I knew that I could do school because of those that won a hundred dollars that <laughs> yeah. I did. So I'm like, this shit wasn't that hard. I just did it. Yeah. I hated it, but I did it, and that wasn't even that bad. Like, yeah, so. Yeah, so I, I was like, I can make money this summer. And I got an internship where I think they paid me $10,000. They gave you money for, for clothing. 
Wow. It's fucking living my shit. But I had to keep it under wraps in the dyke community. They don't want to know that you're into finance. <laughs> and, and, you know, these are rich kids purporting to be poor. Be mm. part. I would, because I'm like a white regular kid at the school, some of the potlucks and the shit that I was, because I'd be like, why are we potlucking? You all have money. Let's go out. Yeah. yeah. But nobody, they're all like trying to be poor and pretending to be poor. And it really... It freaked me out that these rich fu- kids. Yeah, and, and it's it, so weird. I, I want to say that's like more so our generation. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like that's where that's like really popular. Like the struggling and going to school and like yes, because I've known a lot of kids like that. As far as like that come from like wealth, but they it's like rich. They, it's like they want to yeah. like yeah, like downplay themselves to where they don't. Like I remember for the longest time, uh, one of my friends he was telling everybody he was driving like a an old like an eighty nine. Honda, but meanwhile he didn't have an '89 Honda. But he just wanted to say that because it was like it's obscene. It, it's like a weird thing, and I'm, I'm sitting here. What? Why? Well, you're we, making every, it weird. Yeah, you're making yeah. it so weird. We just want you to be rich, like my friend Ryan. Yeah, and it's okay to, to it, be rich. Well, trust fine. fund, trust fund kids too. They're always hiding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, my friend Ryan, he would let me just use his shit. You know, he grew up in a mansion with a. With a movie theater and whatever, like, why are you friends with, you know, he's like, sometimes I feel like I, you use me for my stuff. I'm like, I absolutely do. <laughs> the fuck? That's yeah. the point of this yeah. shit. You use me for my hot takes and all this stuff. I bring a lot of personality and you got good food and a pool. Like, meeting, yeah. I don't halfway. even understand what the issue is. But yeah, like I, I was, I would be a fly on the wall. Some people would yeah. assume that's my thing. And I remember there were so many social justice kids talking, you know, a lot of these people studying, you know. Again, gender critical theory, which is fine and all good. Or some people were, a lot of people were studying, ironically enough, to be social workers and yeah. help yeah, help either low-income commu- communities or things like that. And they would always talk about what they thought like low-income people needed. And it would just be so funny. I'm like, we don't want you. <laughs> yeah. like, the, like, we just want your money. Like, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. simple. Yeah, yeah, You're like, this type of program. No, we want you to literally shave off and as we get more money, when I have money, I'm like, I'm not giving away shit. You know, so it's so funny that I'm in the, you get to be in the predicament, but, but it is a predicament, but that still doesn't change the fact that that's what we want you to do. The solution yeah. is to share what you have. Okay. And now you're going around, beating around the bush, making all this programming that no poor kid wants to go sit at after school. True. Yeah. Like, well, I got to sit now for two more hours. Yeah. Everybody else got home. You know what's funny about all those programs and shit? I'm like, man, we're all still poor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's it just like, I'm like, what does this program do? We don't have new shoes. Like, yeah, I don't, don't want the, I don't have the shit I want. I'm like, I literally want fucking Air Jordans. I want LA gears that light up. Yeah. Like, is this program going to give me those? Yeah. If it's yeah. not the light up shoes, what are we talking about? Yeah. It's just so weird. How long did you do the uh, investment banking for? Just like eight months a year. It was very shady investment banking. We were selling like high interest loans. Very, Mm. very shady. Very classic of Montreal um, kind of endeavors. But really good money. And then I got, but I wouldn't. Wait, what year was this? I don't know. I have no clue. Maybe. 2016? I don't don't know. Oh, got it, got it. I have no clue. Around that time, 14 and 16, I think. 13, yeah. 14, 15. I was, I, the only reason why I was years. asking because I thought it was like during the, um, when the market had crashed mm. really oh. bad. I didn't know if like, because you, you said around. high interest loans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, why. no, but I definitely wasn't part of the solution for that. You know, yeah. eight yeah. months, you know. 
Um, but I was good at sales and I was selling money basically. That's what we were doing. Okay. Um, and I just, again, very <laughs> motivated by money. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, and it, cause it did make my life easier to have money. Yeah. The stress did increase, but like the stress of not having $200 is just, or P collections calling you when I was 17 or 18 cause I didn't pay my electricity or this yeah. and that and getting like getting the thing put on my electricity box and like having to call them and then there's an extra fee like that that i still don't trade that mm -hmm. you know and then getting to be like i'm gonna keep my heat on all the time <laughs> like and i would do that i'm like even if i'm in the kitchen once to get a glass of water in the middle of the night the heat is gonna be on <laughs> <laughs> that's what i would do in montreal it's like so cold there. Yeah. And I, I do appreciate Montrealers aren't as stingy with their heat. When you go to other cold places, you go to Chicago, you go to Toronto, you yeah. go into places that's still cold. Montreal, you go into a bar, you go into a restaurant, they're blasting that heat. Yeah. We don't sting around with the heat. Yeah. <laughs> it's cozy, cozy in there. Um, Are you doing stand-up comedy at that point or no? Yeah, anything? I started stand-up just after that when I quit. Yeah. So I, I started stand-up. I guess I heard, uh, you know, I started saying like Montreal had the Just for Last Festival, but yep. Montreal doesn't have like a really big local stand-up scene. People would assume it, but the festival is actually this international separate thing to the city that brings in like tourism. Yeah. But that's where I started seeing stand-up and I was like, oh, I, I got some shit to say, but I, I feel very lucky that I wasn't like, I never idolized stand-ups growing up or knew much about them. We didn't really... Yeah, I didn't grow up like with a ton of comedy. Like I would say Eddie my Murphy brothers. Anything, yeah, yeah, my brothers maybe knew. My older brothers maybe knew some of that. Yeah. But I hated my brothers and I didn't really <laughs> want to know from them. Um, but later on, like my brother Schmoly's always like, you know, uh, Patrice O'Neill. Like, and I didn't know anything with Patrice O'Neill. That's his favorite. Yeah. He oh, turned me on to him. He's so I, I still, I got to go back and watch, but I don't know any Patrice O'Neill. But my brother loves him. Yeah. Incredible. So it's like my family loves com Like we just didn't, you know what I mean? And especially in the early years, we didn't have any of that. Yeah. So, um, so you just saw, a com uh, you saw some comic. I just heard of it as a job almost. And mm. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I was visiting two friends who were out east. Um, and I, I was having a, a delicious uh, Indian meal with them, which I was very new to Indian food. And I still have it like once a month. I enjoy it. But nice. Um, and we were just laughing and I was telling stories about my mother or whatever. And I was on without knowing I was on, mm. which now is like, I know how, so how annoying it is. And I also don't care about it now, but, <laughs> um, and I just said, matter of fact, like, I'm, I, I think I'm going to try stand up comedy and my friends, they didn't flinch. They weren't like, that was great. They were like, yeah, sounds like definitely something. Wow. They were right away. Like, huh, that makes a lot of sense. And then I just started that week that week um, yeah I, I went i i asked i went to a, the only club or one of two clubs they had in montreal i said where's the best place to bomb or to not <laughs> like to try out and there was this guy's loft and it was like all cigarettes and smoke and, wow and i was very young and everybody these guys were like in their 30s at the time which felt really like the grown-up guys like yeah. oh my god I brought my two little high school friends with Jewish girls. Like, we're like, eh, it looks sketchy. It's <laughs> really sketchy. And, like, people were smoking and doing alcohol. I was very, very, uh, 
you know, we, what did we, we snuck Manischewitz and orange juice when I was a kid. Like we were really good kids and I was very studious and whatever. Even though I was living like a hard independent life, I was still on the path, school, work, yeah, you, you know. Like, yeah, no. Um, but yeah, I, I did it. I was very dizzy the first time, the smoke. And I, I literally could say one joke, but also the nerves looking back. And I was like, sorry, I'm really dizzy and I have to sit down. <laughs> and then I went and I sit down and then I went up to the host after shout out to Morgan O'Shea I went out to him in Montreal I said oh I'm feeling much better after going outside and having some water do you think I could finish I have four more minutes <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious no way and, and he goes no it's, it, it's over you gotta come back next week and I'm like no but I, I didn't even get my I didn't do the time wow I'm like getting into an altercation with him, yeah. not even real. Like he runs this one show. <laughs> so I come back the next week. I'm like, I'm here to do my five minutes. Okay. And he's like, okay, well, you go up when you go up. Puts me up and I was there every week. Wow. Wow. It was excellent. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You get yeah. used to the smoke too. I got you. I just would not drink there. Like I would not yeah. like with, because in the beginning they're like, have a shot with us. And I kind of like never do. Sh- I was like, ah. Like when I had a shots, it was like after I come back from summer camp and we've all passed out taking tequila shots <laughs> to, you know, like I'm not with grown men, like at the back table where they're smoking. It just felt really scary. Yeah. Were you, were you performing stuff for your friends and trying things out? Or you no. Just, wow. <coughs> Look in the mirror and stuff. No. No. Wow. Just going for it. Mm-hmm. We're the same with the uh, same. Uh, well, in the sense of, uh, not really knowing comedy at all, okay. really. Like I didn't really like I knew, I knew like Dave Chappelle's Killing <clears throat> Softly, Eddie Murphy Raw, you know, in um, Kings of Comedy and stuff. But I, but I didn't think of it as like that's something that anybody could do. I thought they did it because they were in movies. Yeah. Like uh-huh. I didn't think I didn't think of it as like I didn't think comedy was something you like that you had to like train for. I thought they just had these acts yeah. that they do these live shows and they make people laugh. I didn't know it was like a thing where you got to start, start off in an open mic and, yeah. you know, build your way and, you know, be, to becoming, you know, successful at it. I didn't think there was, but it's also, yeah, that. it's also a good thing in a way. Like I came in like, you know, we came in kind of raw, which a lot of people do it, but I didn't have an influence. Like people go, well, yeah. that's an influence. Yeah, like exactly. I just came from what I wanted to say. Some of the things that I've heard about me, like, you know, early on was like, whether it was my material or whatever, but it's like, that so many comedians are looking for their voice. But one of the first things I have was my voice. So it was mm-hmm. like kind of the opposite. It's like, it doesn't really matter. What I realize is it doesn't really matter what I'm talking about as long as I'm talking about it through my lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that a lot of people who, you know, and it's not the same. It's like, I just had no, nothing. Just, I didn't know who my influence was. I didn't know anything. I was just going in kind of blank slate, which I yeah. think in the end was a, a, a good thing for me because I didn't, feel pressure to take it one way or another um i could just my voice was the only thing i had yeah and then just you know material came through that yeah i mean it's i mean then you you comedy central was up next comedian in 2018 mm. i'm sure there's stuff before that too the cluster like, fest yes i did cluster fest so fun yo we did the same, same shit. One? oh we did. did well no i wasn't 2018 <laughs> i was the next year oh you were i was 2019 cluster fest and then 2019 new faces yeah you you can't be walking around san francisco though what a shithole that city is oh my god oh my god so you start doing that you start doing that all <laughs> the time and just building up your name and 
putting the work and people start hearing about you? Yeah, I'm still doing it all the time. Putting yeah, my yeah, name for people sure. Like, I, nobody is hungrier than me. Are you like, post, was it YouTube to post videos on back then? See, I don't, the thing is, is I don't sell, I also, I'm so old school. <laughs> I make my money writing and doing stand-up. Okay. I almost do nothing else. Okay. I'm very, like, I don't know how to do the video. That's why something like Don't Tell, they do the video. I'm like, great. Yeah. Terrific. Because I'm not learning the editing. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. You come and you, you see yeah. me. Okay. They want to do it. Great. Like my special I put out with yeah. Just for Laughs. They did it. They're like, I'm you want to do an hour? Yeah. Now when people ask me for an hour, I was like, if you want to send the camera people and you want to do that, and that's the conversation we're having. Like, I'm not going to sell from, even though I love people who do that. You know, Shane Gillis put out his own special on yeah. YouTube. I thought yeah. it was terrific. And I love that gusto and that thing to do, but it's just not where my wheelhouse is. Mm-hmm. My wheelhouse is really the stand-up writing and uh, now acting a bit too. Awesome. So I really, when I bring on something new, I take on everything I do so seriously. Yeah. I really commit to it, and it's kind of like the no-frills parenting style my mother yeah, you know, kind of gifted me. It's like we're going to keep these kids fed sheltered and educated period mm-hmm. i'm gonna do my writing stand yeah. acting period what did your mom think when you when, she, when you stopped doing the investment banking and that you're gonna be she doesn't know anything about work she has no clue about money she's also very into the arts and culture my mother doesn't care about money um which is really interesting like she i wouldn't say she took a vow of poverty but part of living in the community she lived in is like there's really like not um glorification of money and that's why yeah. i'm more obsessed with it because i'm like ah well you're not thinking about it look what everybody else has yeah yeah. you know so maybe yeah. a little thought when you have 10 kids i'm not asking for much yeah but if you're gonna have 10 kids let's let's <laughs> give it a little thought it doesn't have to be your priority i understand yeah. but it's yeah, like a little a little come a little on something. you didn't ask us yeah she but, wasn't tripping on you you'd be a comedian no she likes she loves art comedy so that's what i'm saying even though i didn't grow up with like a specific my mother you know, Woody Allen movies, Ooh. movies in general, um, books. You know, my mother's a crazy reader. Um, I don't read at all. I find it boring personally, but I always wanted to get into it. I'm a crappy reader. Too. Yeah, my mother, he but reads. my mother. I read. Yeah, I want to read, but I, I'm I'm asleep to, like, I can't do what are we going to do? I'm asleep to, I love movies. I try to go to a matinee once a week. I love movies. I love movies. I love to, so it's like, and I love documentaries. I love to learn. Yeah. And I love learning through talking to people. Mm-hmm. Reading is not, I'm asleep. Like, how do you, guys? I like audiobooks. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just. You, he no, reads a lot. I and, I, and I really, I, re- I wish things. I could be like you, how you read every day and you journal every day. I really, I guess envious. I wish I could have that attention span to like read. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah, I can't listen. I can't do no audio books or anything. It has to be like I have to like read the words. Yeah, I think, but also like I'm uh, I'm a visual learner. Okay, so like if I see the words instead of just like hearing it like through some audio book, then I'm all fucking checked out. Yeah, I hate when people say they read a book and it was an audio book. Because it's like, what, you think you're better than me? I know, like, right? tell me you listen to the shit. Yeah. Again, yeah. just don't hide whatever you're in. Like, whatever you are, rich, poor, literate, not literate, I'm with you for you. Yeah. Yeah. Man, like, that is what I want. Yeah, let yeah. that be. I love the I'm, Ner- I'm Nervous special. It was great. I watched it. Oh, it awesome. thank you. Thank you. Really good. I like the whole New York pride thing, too, how people like how much they love New York. And I can relate. It was awesome. It's like, yeah, it's like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> And then Chris Gethard, it's crazy because we talked, whenever I talked to you about it, I didn't realize it's the same guy who um, 
has told a story about me several times on his podcast. I met him when he was a small kid at a, hard, at a punk rock show in New Jersey. And uh, he always tells the story. And if any, you told me about him telling the story because then Chris Caraba from Dashboard Confessional talked about it. But I want to give him a shout out because I hit him up the other day. I told him you were coming on. He's like, oh, my God, how much yeah. loves you. And, uh, yeah, he was like a small kid and he was at a punk show and he was sitting in the corner and he, it was his first show. We were playing that night. And I came into the room and I saw him and I was like, and he, and he was going through something. I didn't even know who he was. And I was like, hey, you good, man? You all good? And he knew I was a singer of the band that was going to play later on. And we had this moment where I talked to him and he always talks about that. Oh, that's dope. And how it stuck yeah. with him his whole life. So shout out to Chris Gathard. It's cool. Yeah. It's such a small world because you wrote for him for so long. Yeah. No, awesome. I, um, I applied cold to that job. It was the kind of thing that um, I was new with my manager and they, I never really done a packet. And yeah. they were like, oh, do a packet. And I submitted a psychotic packet. And I didn't watch his show, nor was a fan. Okay. <laughs> I watched one episode. I watched the Lena Dunham episode because I like her. Mm. Um, and then I was like, "What? I don't even really want... I, I don't know if I want to work on I don't know what it is. Yeah. And I don't really, you know. And then I... Uh, so that was also good because I didn't do too much research. I just put my ideas yeah. on the page. I sent it and I got hired. And he thought that I was some boy from Canada because my name Robbie Hoffman it's a blind packet um, and uh, yeah and, and it ended up being a great experience cool. yeah yeah they did it for a while so you did the odds car before that yes yeah, so at some point before that much before that yeah so you did Chris Chris gathered for a while huh right yeah there. yeah we were on for a couple seasons it was really really fun very out of the box um, you know, he was a little whiny bitch a bunch. Um, <laughs> and I would call him out on that and we had a good rapport that way. And they did something together like it's like uh Chris Gethard presents Robbie Hoffman. Well, here's what happened. He would always ask for big ideas, right? He would say the studio wants big ideas, this type of thing. You know, really think out of the box. Yeah. So I said, You know what? The studio you know what? You want big ideas? Let's replace the host with Robbie Hoffman. Mm. Okay, and he would get insecure about that because he knew his time was limited. So white guy, whatever, going on the sad comedy, you know, I'm white and, and privileged and so I'm sad. Okay, and how long? <laughs> how long, right? He was like the last crew of doing that. Okay. Okay, and I'm just teasing you, Chris. This is how I love. I love by bringing you, okay, this is the way it is. is but he was, so I would, and I would, I would tell him things like that. I would say, Chris, how much longer? <laughs> you're on borrowed time okay what they want is a queer okay girl like they, it's me i'm mm -hmm. the next i'm the future mm -hmm. so let's just cut it now and give me the show and finally and he got in on it because he's a good sport we um on his when when we did like a spinoff of the chris gethard show i got to do um, the Chris Gethard show crossed out his name with new host Ravi Hoffman. Awesome. And I would say it's probably a better episode than any episode <coughs> he's ever done of his show. Wow. Yeah, and he was my first guest on the show. And people loved it. People loved it. Yeah, I had him and my cousin Daniel Latovsky as guest. Amazing. And so, and the Ravi Hoffman consulting, is that something you still do, the advice show? No, I did that in the pandemic because people go, did you miss stand-up in the pandemic? No. Okay. If stand-up's happening, I'm doing stand-up. If it's not happening, I'm not doing it. I'm writing, yeah. and I have other things to do. This was a way... I did some Zoom shows, but I wasn't like the panic that a lot of people had that I'm going to make stand-up online. I'm like, if it dies forever, I'll do something else. Mm. If it doesn't, I didn't think anything dies forever anyway. As soon as the cruise line... As soon as the pandemic happens, I invested in cruise lines. 
because I knew that Americans would want deals. Um, so it's like nothing is dead forever. <laughs> and so I just did a call. It was a perfect medium. Gethard offered me, you know, I would call. He had me call into his show a couple times and it was always the most successful part of his show. Wow. And so he said, if you want your own, call, him again being the most benevolent and the most charitable to me and me only bringing him down. <laughs> um, tough just love. to give you, yeah, it's a tough love approach. But he was like, seriously, like just, you know, we have the infrastructure taking calls. And so. I created the Robbie Huffman Consulting Group, which is one-stop shop. I can give you advice from fashion to finance to dating to debt to whatever. Yeah. And um, probably advice better than any therapist. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to, you know, whatever it is. It's like, you know, I had this trans woman call in um, who became a friend of the show <coughs> at some point. But, like, you know, there was a, a trans woman who... Um, and we had many people who called in and became friends of the show and we'll call them multiple times, but called in about something about passing, you know, that if she doesn't shave her face, you know, she still wants to like keep a beard, but she wants to pass as a woman. Mm. I said, you can't do that. So that's over. Yeah. So you got to pick. <laughs> okay. Like you're not calling me with nonsense. Yeah. Okay. I understand the predicament, but now you have to pick. You don't get everything you want. Mm. Nobody gets everything they want. Goodbye. <laughs> So we have some very straight up advice and, uh, and yeah, but as soon as the pandemic ended, so did the show. It's not the right, Mm. you know, I'm not keeping these things on forever. Why don't you do it anymore? I'm like, cause online's over. Yeah. Yeah. I was the same person that when the pen, you know, I did the pandemic for three months. Okay. That's it. You were out here during it. You're in LA. Yeah. I was here until it really closed and then when it opened other places i did stand up other places mm. that's what you're doing too you're traveling everywhere during that yeah was, texas it was, it was florida it was, it was open yeah. yeah you were going you were going <coughs> everywhere yeah you stayed busy with that chappelle mm-hmm. the yeah, whole time as yeah. i cough with covid here no it's okay <laughs> so no. you were traveling during that too doing <laughs> stuff? um yeah no but the thing is is like because it was like reading about you know yeah after three months they were saying, if you're young, you're healthy, you could get COVID and, you know, and whatever. And I was like, oh, that's me. Yeah. I am of young, you know, growing up poor, there's so many things I was shut out. I couldn't pay for this. I couldn't do this. I couldn't. This is, you're shut out. I'm not. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. not yeah, be yeah. shut out. Like, yeah. this is where I win. So yeah. I don't understand that. I had people text me like, you're going to do this show. I'm like, you better believe I'm going to do this show. Yeah. So I just, yeah, it was one of the few things where I'm like, oh my God, I fit the category. Yeah. I got dyke girl, whatever. Like I'm like, it's me. <laughs> oh my god, I'm in the main category. Like I couldn't even I'm believe here. it. I'm in it. <laughs> I'm like, I get the privileged category. I'm yeah. fucking doing the shit. So I was with you. I was like, fucking Arkansas, Florida, wherever. Yeah, wow. <laughs> most random That's places. It. You everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so you still writing during the pandemic for people? Yeah, I sold my show during the pandemic. It was like a perfect opportunity. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was just like again, it was one of those things that I like. I didn't panic for some reason. Even though I'm anxious with all little things, yeah. major calamities, I go, oh, I expected that. Yeah. That sounded like, you know, like short of the Holocaust happening again. Like, I'm always waiting for a knock. <laughs> ah, I have my bags packed. I'm ready to go to the camp. Like, I am ready for the knock. Yeah. So if it's not that, I'm like, yeah, it actually could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> Do, were you nervous doing comedy during that or no? Neither, guy, neither no. you both were doing it? Were nervous traveling doing that? Yeah. No. Yeah. Because it's basically what she just what she just said. Yeah. Like, it's like what you, okay? I'm young, they, and they yeah. said that, so it's like Chappelle. And I'm not saying this for you, but you know the elephant in the room. 
<laughs> you and I were in slightly different positions. True. It's just the size thing. And you're, and you're a hefty. <laughs> no, I just, and I'm not saying, you know, just because I care for you and I love you. Um, and, 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 and you've really tightened up. But I'm just saying that there was a point where you maybe. You tightened up a lot, though. Right? You know, yeah. you were on the edge of that category. The edge, edge of it. So I'm a little worried. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got it together. Just because I love you. I yeah, love you. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm worried about you. You know, what I mean? people, it was a very, very small window of people who could, and I was in that window, and I couldn't even believe it. <laughs> uh, do you guys feel like comedy is thriving more than ever now, coming out of that that the dark couple years, and yeah, people want to laugh and want to be out? And I don't know. It's like weird. I think it's all in what you make it. I yeah. don't think I don't think I can speak for comedy as a whole. Right. I know I like I don't speak for anyone else when it comes to it. Yeah. I can speak for myself. I'm doing pretty damn good. Yeah, you're doing great. You know, but, uh, but other than that, like, I can't really speak for anyone else. It's like weird. Like, I, I mean, you know, I went and did the University of Rochester. Yeah. And meanwhile, I went up there, did my set. They, I mean, they loved it or whatever. They had, they had a uh, blast uh, with me and all that shit. And meanwhile, I didn't realize that that was like one of the most like liberal schools ever. But I guess because, I mean, some comedians are, you know, you're very terrified liberal. To do, to do uh, stand up, very liberal. Am I? Yeah. <laughs> I well, you're like you know you talk. Yeah. I, but I don't like have a view or, or like I don't I don't have any hot I takes know, or you know I kind of keep to myself when it comes to that stuff. But meanwhile, like you know, as far as that goes, like you're I've wearing heard, an Oasis T-shirt. That is true. I've heard a lot of comedians say they don't like doing. I've heard a lot of comedians say they don't like doing colleges, right? Because you know they just but. But meanwhile, I can't speak for all those other comedians because I seem to do really yeah, good at them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do them. And, but like I said, it's it's kind of weird to speak it as a whole because comedy is so such a wide range. Yeah, I agree. You, and I take back that you're liberal. I think we're very similarly like built, um, not physically speaking, but emotionally I, I, or in terms of comedy for the reason that like I agree that we both do everything. Like people would think you in Florida – I'm like, yeah, I do Florida. Like, they're like, so, oh, some queer, like, you know, I cut my tits off. I'm like, they don't care. I will talk to anyone. I will talk to anyone. I do colleges. I do clubs. I've always done alt and clubs. Mm-hmm. I've always done, like, I don't want to pitch myself into th- a, a, a habit of thinking that, like, oh, I can't do this type of thing because these people, like, they're just people. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I know what I do. So yeah. that's what I do. Um, these people, like, I don't have to think about them. I can just think you about what I'm doing and do it anywhere I want to do. The f- people who shut themselves off from that actually limit their opportunities, in my opinion. And that is okay to limit your uh, your opportunities. If you yeah. only want to do certain markets and kill in those markets, again, like what you were saying, if that's your prerogative. Yeah. I want to reach as many people as humanly possible 100%. by doing what I do yeah. and not thinking about you. Yeah. If you have a thing, like that's on you. I'm just thinking about bringing, I want to talk to you. Whoever yeah. you are, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk to you. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Same thing with music, traveling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I went to Springfield, Missouri, I was like, yeah. I didn't know what to expect. You loved meanwhile, it there. meanwhile, I loved it. I was like, man, I'd film a special here. <laughs> like, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was that much fun. Just getting know? out there and seeing the world and seeing other yeah. people. Yeah. I think when you travel, yeah. You get a you get a better idea of what the fuck is up, but if you don't and you just kind of stay in this one lane and in your own little world, then it kind of like it it yeah it does pigeonhole you to where you don't really you only have this one way of thinking. Yeah, and and, and people think like all these certain states all think a certain way. 
It's yeah. not like that. And it's not like it's that. It's not like that. Yeah. And there's a lot of trash and there's a lot of not trash. Yeah. Like here's the yeah. I'm not saying like, oh, there's two sides. Like, listen, there's there's trash but it's like people who are coming out to see you are coming out to see you. And maybe like some of the people who come out to see you, they weren't expecting like what would be and they're like, Oh, yeah. I actually liked her. Like if you meet me, it's hard to not, you know, really like me if yeah. you're meeting me. Yeah. So it's like maybe I not that I'm even into changing. It's just like, you don't have to like it everything. I don't have to like working everywhere. I just like to work. Every- like, it's like, yeah. I'm just not making a rule before I get there about, oh, I only do this. I only do that. I am open to what I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Always. Yeah. That yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys met through just pure conversation. Totally. Yeah. 100%. You yeah, know? I love that. Um, and you're special. Did that put you at a different level, dropping you for a special in that way? You know, it was a Canadian special, um, so it was stuck there for a while. Yeah. But then it started circulating, like, kind of itself underground. People were cool. saying, where can I watch this here? Where can I watch this? And yeah. they released it to YouTube, finally. Awesome. It was like another leg of a deal that they had to do. But for some reason, Canadian broadcasting, they couldn't get it out of Canada. And then there was enough people sharing it illegally Oh wow! that they wanted to get in on that. Awesome. So they they made it available for free on YouTube now. But it's a very class. It's my first, uh, you know, the first time I ever did an hour was that hour. Okay. I'd never done an hour. I recorded the hour. I had one time to shoot it. Wow. And we got it. And it was just very classic stand up. You know, it's not. It's again bare bones. Yeah. It's just there's not a lot going on. It's it's just an hour of pure. What, you know, and then, you know, so now for an American debut or some of the conversations were happening, you know, um, I can dance a little bit more or, you know, flare out a bit or have more fun with it. This was the kind of thing that's like, hey, do you want to do an hour? We'll pay you and we'll bring the camera. I'm like, sure. Here's yeah, an hour. Cool. And it worked out really well. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and I like just putting all that material in one place because I probably make an hour a year and I don't always record and yeah. I lose a lot of material that, Oh, I'm not doing it anymore or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it, it's nice to maybe just get the material out or get whatever. So, you know, I'm always, it's, it's funny. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's a very classic. T- it's almost a throwback mm-hmm. the way that it is. Um, and, and I, I enjoy that not much thought went into it and it yeah. really worked out. And so for both of you, is Netflix like not a goal, but to have a comedy special on Netflix or HBO or something like that? Is that anything in your in your head? You all? could do a special anywhere. Anywhere. It doesn't matter. It doesn't like there's Maybe YouTube. I don't think too. I don't think anyone has like, I guess if, if with Netflix, I mean, they're starting to give like these deals to like certain comedians to yeah. where it's like you sign a 60 million dollar deal, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, other than, I mean, you can do. I don't know. It's just so weird because you could do whatever you want. Like Shane Gillis put his special out on YouTube. Yeah. And Shane Gillis sells out everywhere he goes. True facts. I mean, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. He sells out, you know, internationally. I mean, he goes, he was just in Australia and freaking selling out his stuff. And meanwhile, like that's not a Netflix special. Mm -hmm. That special is on YouTube that he put out. Yeah. That he put the money up for. So it's like, (coughs) I don't know. I feel like you could. I, I feel I feel like anything you think of as being the pinnacle of what you would want, I yeah. do want. So yeah, okay. I would love a Netflix special. <laughs> I would love an HBO special. I want the coolest, cachet, biggest shit you could think of. Okay, respect um, that. There's no question. Like when I what no like I dream like 
I don't limit my dreams at okay. all. Like I want, the, if I'm here, want like I, we are fucking going. I look at my seven-year-old girl self and I go, Rob, I got you. I am trying to take you yeah. as far as we can. Yeah. I'm doing, I love that. I'm doing what I can for you. You got to bear with me, but I don't want to let little seven-year-old me down. I'm like, listen, we're, we're working. You're doing as much as we can, Rob. Mm-hmm. You got to, I'm taking us as far as we can go. Awesome. And I just don't want to like that to, I never want to say, oh, maybe we won't do that. Or I'm saying, we're going to try for everything. We're going to see what we get. We're yeah, not going to, yeah, we're, we're going to really try and, yeah. and give it a go. That's amazing. And that don't tell comedy, that's what it is. When yours went viral and crazy, was it don't oh tell comedy? Oh my God. Yeah. That was, that was incredible. And that's, that's this independent yeah. thing. Yeah, that's not like a corporate thing and it's i love that too like yeah. i would you That's don't so do cool. do that like some people are like would you go on rogan or this i'm like absolutely <laughs> yeah. like you think Robbie of said, any give big me, thing give it to me <laughs> i want big small independent uh, studio it. like i just yeah. like don't even want to think in those terms i just want to yeah. like we are going to take this and get our voice out there to the most that we can you you know what i think you just inspired me by by hearing those kind of words because it's like yeah fuck it if you if if you get a big fucking TV show, you get a big fucking TV that's show. It. If you get it, it's like, why stop it if it if no. that's what organically came? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I didn't want to limit my... Th- I don't even want to... Yeah, no. Like, that, that, I'm just like, yeah. I don't know. The opposite, yeah. like, I'm just going to do the best work that I can do yep. and, 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 and inspire myself and feel, and feel all of like, oh, I'm... Because the biggest luxury of what we do and what I do for me and I don't want to speak for you or you is that I get to wake up and love what I'm doing I hated working those jobs even though it's a lot of money yes it's like but now I get to make a lot of doing like making a great living doing this is a miracle I'm grateful for it and I work hard to keep this miracle alive like I want to continue doing like people like how long I'm like I just want to do what I want to do for a living and a good living for as long as I can. Yeah, it's like great. that is the dream. Like just to keep. Do- so I'm not gonna. I'm like, if people you want to do an independent thing, I'm like, yeah. You want to do a big thing? I'm like, you bet. I yeah, want to do it all. It, yeah. I, anything you. you can yeah. think of, I want to do. Yeah. You Rogan I like. Up. I like your foundation of it. You're like it's a very simple, like straightforward format. You're like, I want to do whatever I can whatever I can for as long as I fucking can yeah and do it to the best of my fucking ability like like if if people just literally thought of it like that I don't think there would be people stressing out so much having anxiety I'm here to 95 for love or money yeah (laughs) this is what I do yeah exactly so I am here baby like I'm I'm here for love or money to 95 I love that same with you going Rogan if he asked you to go on probably, right? Yeah, give, listen. I, I and Rogan hit us just, up. Just, just just inspired me right now. Like, yeah, why why, why even not? think about limiting yourself? It's like, no, I want to stay here because of this, this, and this. But it, even though you're getting this like opportunity to do this dope thing and to do it in the way that you want to do it, like why not? If yeah. you get to if, yeah. like if I'll you get you that speaking from experience being in the band for twenty six years. Like only playing with punk and hardcore bands, and then when we finally said yes, and went went on tour with the Mighty Boss Tones, let's yeah, say the yeah. Mighty Boss Tones, yeah, and they took us around the whole country to a brand new audience, and then we kept doing that with other. But that that's the reason why my band is still together because of playing to different audiences and not being scared to yeah. like get your message and your music to yeah 
everybody as much as you can. You know what I mean? Not, yeah. Not limit yourself. And no. Yourself. Yes, yeah. I'll go to Springfield, Missouri. Why yeah, not? you did. You loved it. You killed it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's when my wife got arrested, though, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, that's on her. My wife, you know, uh, we weren't there. My wife, my, <laughs> wife, my, wife, my, wife, my wife jumped on a uh, Nazi skinhead, and she got arrested for breaking up a fight at our show. She jumped on top of one. Why is she doing that? Because she was selling merch, and a fight broke out during our show. And she, a, women? She's a, she's no. a, my wife's a bad ass. No. <laughs> no. And my wife no. jumped on a Nazi and got him in no. headlock, and she got arrested. I don't go near a Nazi. <laughs> we don't go, Chappelle and I do not go near the Nazis. <laughs> my wife's badass. Yeah, she's, she's my wife's badass or stupid? <laughs> I don't know. She's pretty serious. Okay, man. okay, no. You she gotta, scares me. My wife's you got to tell. Her, you got to tell her that's a no go anymore. She can she can tap on on somebody who's Chappelle's size and yeah. he can go out. She got locked up. I saw I get put in a paddy wagon. It was a horrible night. And, and she was safer that way, honestly. Yeah, it was. She could have been night. safer than this maniac coming at her. I know. It was a fight by the merch booth, and she went she to go break him out. It. She jumped on top of his back, and then it shit went crazy. If there was the a fight, came. I walk the other way. I'm like, I don't go yeah. near anything. Yeah. If I see any people like, let me get involved. I'm like, oh, let me get involved. <laughs> I am out. I, I had 110 pounds. I'm in no position. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing I can do for anyone. I'm um, <laughs> <laughs> you got to meet my wife someday. You love her. She's amazing. Yes. Um, well, I want to talk about this unless you don't want to talk about it after, but looking at your Instagram and seeing the pictures of you like shirtless in oh, Manhattan yeah. walking around, I think it's so uh, freeing and beautiful and uh, amazing to see that. Great. Because I'm sure that's something you probably wanted to do for, a, I don't know how long, but yeah. then you, you just did it. And just seeing that, i just comfortable in your, I don't know, it's something beautiful about that. Yeah, I got, I got a great it. figure if you got it flaunted, right? So, <laughs> Fucking um, Robbie! When, when, did you, yeah. when, when did you have that surgery? I had it like three years ago. You know, it's the kind of thing I heard about it and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I told not a soul. I'm not someone, I'm not putting a... A big sob story if you guys could help me. No. (laughs) No, there's nothing. I'm gifting myself essentially the surgery where I wasn't doing nothing with my tits for eight years. I was kind of like always flattening them or wearing sports bras and compressing them more Ah. and more. I didn't think, you know, it wasn't overnight. I didn't make a route. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going back to the pusher bra after eight years of compressing. But then it was like for me, like that's painful too, right? Doing all this stuff or no? It was fine. It was fine. Oh, the compress. Yeah, it was just uncomfortable. It was fine. I wasn't massive. B34, pretty nice tits, guys. But um, <laughs> the rest in peace. Pretty good pair. We're known in my family. But anyway, so I heard of it, and then I did. But but when I heard of it, I was like, okay, well, if I ever wanted a tattoo, okay, I would I would maybe wait a year, and if I still wanted that tattoo, I would get the tattoo. Makes total sense. I should listen to that. Okay, yeah. So it's never happened for me. I don't have a tattoo. But I'm like, yeah. Let's say I should want a wolf. Okay, come in a year. If you still want a wolf, put a wolf. I love that. So then with the surgery, it was like, okay, if you want the surgery, wait a year, see how you feel. And then if you still want it, wait another year for a surgery. It's one year for a tattoo and I do two years for a surgery. And in that time, research, get everything, you know, done. And and on top of that, that was like the eight years that I was compressed. So it felt very simple to do it. I was just like, okay, it was a half hour surgery. I think people dramatize it a lot. I know it's a lot for some people. But to what I've gone through, I, I, I don't know. I was like, it was a week. And you. I should speak more to my friends, Galia and Natalie. Natalie specifically was like emptying my drains and doing this stuff. I'm like, it's disgusting. She's like, it's not even my blood. So imagine how I feel doing this shit for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, so maybe it was worse for her. But yeah, it was a week of hell, you know, of recovering from a surgery and wearing an even tighter compression. 
but it wasn't that bad. And I, I went to the best surgeon in the country. You don't buy a parachute on sale. Mm. There are people who want to spend, who want to save $1,500, yeah. $1,200, they'll go to Missouri and get it done. And I'm going, <laughs> you're missing a nipple. Like, yeah. you just, there's certain things. It's like my mother used to say, if you have to ask how much it is, you can't afford it. It's great. So true. So I just was like, I could, this is a gift to myself. I'm going to pay private out of pocket. I'm just going to go to the best guy and we're just going to do it. And I did it and it felt so much better than I even thought. Like I thought it would feel normal. I thought it would feel like good because there was also this big question of regret. People would say like, well, yeah. what if you regret it, right? You cut them off and you regret it. Well, either way I would regret it. Let's say I didn't cut them off. I would, I could regret not cutting them off. Totally. Yeah. The only experience I have is I know having them wasn't great. So let's say I cut them off and it's not great. We're back to square one. Yeah. So it didn't, the regret thing didn't make any logical sense when I broke it down. And so then I just said, and then I just felt so much more natural. Like imagine like you're just like, like you, like how you feel. I, I just like love scrolling on my phone, like not wearing a shirt. I love just like not having flappity, like, but everything else is fine. I'm fine to be biologically female. Mm -hmm. I don't really push against that. Um, but you know, I have to cut my tits off. Something's wrong. You know, most <laughs> girls don't want to cut their tits off. So if something's wrong. It's fine. And that's the way I live. Like, it's just, it's, it felt so normal. I never thought that I would necessarily show my body. I wasn't yeah. a showy body person before or after, but it looked so good that I was like, I do it feel great. good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it was one of those things that I'm like, oh, this is what people, they feel they look good. So they do it. So I became one of these Insta hoes where I put it up. <laughs> How, how nervous were you that day or building up to it? I wasn't that nervous because I just, it's again, it's hearing that whisper. It's like a yeah, decision. You're ready. I just knew myself and it felt so fine. It almost felt like not a thing after. Like it felt so normal right away that there wasn't an adjustment. It was just like, oh, I'll put on a t-shirt and go. Yeah. And it just literally has been normal since mm. it's amazing yeah the other Happy thing i thought it. about all the time because when i put when i would put on a shirt i would put on a binder or a sports so you're always thinking you're always feeling now i'm feeling and thinking so much less yeah like i'm not oh having to put on it or like getting home but like, i can't wait to take my bra off like it's already off yeah. we're good <laughs> and what, about, what about your mom about it well your mom well, I don't know if my mother knows about it or not. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we have no, there's certain things we don't, but okay. I, my brother called me. I may have alluded. <laughs> I may have alluded to some type of breast scare or something in order to ease my family. Mm, got yeah, you. So I think it came from my brother first and I just went with it. Like That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He called me and was like, yeah, my wife gets cysts sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> This can happen, so it's just, you know, it's good, like, you know, to take preventative care. Sometimes he's like, you did the right thing. Okay, because it's not some Elliot Page shit, right? You did. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> who looks he amazing, make, too. Who looks amazing. Who looks amazing. And I love Elliot Page, and shout out. Yo. But my family is like, it better not be. My brother told me, he's like, it better just end here. And I'm like, I'll keep you boasted. I'll and people are boasted. like, how do you still talk to this guy? You know? And I'm like, he's my brother. Like, what? How old is the, he? Uh, how old is he? Maybe 36. 36. But He's the like, oldest? No, no, no. No, no, no. My oldest brother. But all my brothers, it's like people are like, how do you talk to these people? I'm like, 
than my brother. Like, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, there's no cutting off. Like, yeah. you know, regular people grow up and they're like, they cut off. I'm like, even if I wanted to cut off my brother, let's say I told him, like, hey, don't call her noise. Like, you're going to cut me off? He would still call. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's nothing. He's not going to accept the cutoff. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the realest shit because it's so true. <laughs> He's just going, yeah, fucking, I can't cut what, you off. Because I don't care for gay people, you cut me off? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's him. He's like, what? So are people always asking you questions about like what your next move might be or what are you doing? Or well, Six six of my family members sent me the Elliot Page article when that wow. came out. Yeah. Okay. So they're like, well, ready any day. And they're very nice and supportive about it. And sometimes they, you know, they That's don't. Nice. We all tell each other exactly what we feel. You know, my brother, you know, the same brother who called me and he hoped that this was the end of it, the last of it, you know, because he was like, he's the same brother who called me when the vaccine. He's like, whatever you did, don't take the vaccine. For COVID. Like, that's him. He's like, I know they're pushing it hard in that queer community over there. <laughs> your brother's insane. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's what, exactly what he sounds hey, like. You know, you're putting, you know they're pushing it hard. I know. And, and he goes to me, he goes, uh, <laughs> like, he's so worried about, but he's like, he, he doesn't, he didn't care. He got some email at work about pride, you know, and he said, they're pushing this agenda on me and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, I don't care for queer, you know, I don't care for these gay people. I was like, well, that's me. You know, I'm like, you're talking about me. He's like, well, not you. I'm like, no, but I am a gay person. <laughs> He's like, well, not you. You're my flesh and blood. Take a bullet for you. Yeah. But I'm like, no, but he doesn't understand that you. he's talking that is, about me. That's actually, I respect it. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Just, like, he's like, well, obviously not you. I'm like, no, but yeah. literally me. But it's why he cannot make the connection. Yeah. When you first took those photos, were you, was that like a, how was that, how was that feeling? So normal. Again, yeah. like just there's almost no, like, you know, that was the photos I think you're referring to, by the way, are for New, uh, New York Fashion Week, which yeah. I was, uh, I was a, uh, a model or a comedian so cool. model for um, the brand Susan Alexandra shout out. That's amazing. Um, and we got to, to do the show at the comedy cellar and it was really really fun and we were dressed you know in all of their accessories but in addition to that the real real just us and i was in vintage oscar de la renta and i i i do have a pension for fashion and things like that but um which is the wrong column of gay but it, it's fine um and i originally they had the puffy they there was this puffy shirt i could wear and i thought that'd be funny for the seinfeld reference which I think was lost on them, but I was like, Oh, the puffy shirt. And they were like, and I'm like, no, cause I'm a comedian anyway. <laughs> and, but the, it didn't fit the, 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 um, the collar was too big okay. and it fit, but it didn't fit perfect. And for me, my advice fashion for most people is fit is number one. Like forget anything else. If something doesn't fit you exactly the way you want it to fit, it's never going to, and you're not going to yeah. enjoy it. That's like really the first thing. So even if it's a cool shirt, it's a cool odor, it's funny, I just will scrap it if the fit isn't what makes me feel good. Yeah. So I scrapped it and there was the idea of me going, you know, topless. And I was like, yeah, let me, I'll just do this. I feel much better as me. And um, I think there's like an overlap with that. You know, on stage, you're trying to be, you're almost an, for me, and this is not for everyone, I'm almost an exaggerated version of myself on stage. Yeah. You know, in my daily life, I'm not yelling about this and that all the time, but on stage is an outlet for me to like really whatever. Um, and I think the hardest thing or what people grow to be like in stand-up is to be the most you on stage. And so the closer I get to that, which is a process, the better I feel. Mm -hmm. And so it did feel good. Um, it was cool to do that. Um, and it felt very natural. Um, almost everything else it's like I 
it's funny because my high school friends think that I change my voice sometimes that like, oh, my voice is a lot more Jewy now mm. versus like my brother's sound. My girl heard my, my brother's on, on the phone. So she's like, their Jewiness is so much that she doesn't understand what they're saying. <laughs> and I realized, no, in high school, I was changing my voice to sound more Jappy or Canadian. And Jappy, I mean, in Jewish American princess way, not um, shout out to my, my Japanese uh, friends, but nothing to do. It's also a derogatory term for rich Jews. And I was always changing my voice to sound more Cana- like more like proper mm-hmm. or more like literate or more like, and I, so now I like kind of have, this amalgamation so of talking yeah it's a process and now it's like so, getting back to myself or like how i am with my family like it, i'm thinking less about how i sound versus yeah. when i used to think like do i sound too masculine do i sound too oh, yeah. uneducated do i sound too whatever whatever yeah. poor or whatever or jewish or whatever now i just don't care and whatever amalgamation comes out is what comes out i love that do you have any regrets in your life Tons. I live a life in regret. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's your first guess to, to say you, hell yeah. really? Have yes, re- I do. You know what? What's I, one, I one? one of my big things too is like I feel like everybody is like no regrets, no regrets, no regrets, YOLO, no regrets. YOLO. And I'm like, I live a life of regret. Mm. And I feel like I'm the only person sometimes. Like I regret how I, you know, managed uh, breaking up with an ex and ending a big, very important relationship to me and, and discovering myself through therapy and stuff what I could discovered later or whatever. There's things that I regret, of course, you know, um, I have regrets far as back as like, I had the option as a teenager to go to this rich private school, go to this art school. I don't know if I should have gone to the art school that would have incurred. Like, I don't know. I have Mm. a life. I live a life in regret. Okay. As well. Like, and I also live a life in not, in not regret, but I'm saying, of course I regret things. I don't understand people who don't regret things. And maybe they don't, but they're like, no regrets. But I'm like, all I hear in this society is like, no regrets, no regrets, happiness, happiness. And it's like, maybe the goal, I think it's like this fake thing to push towards happiness, happiness. And it's like, I would rather push towards balance, mm-hmm. you know, like have regrets, have not regrets, have things that you bet on that actually paid off really well. Yeah. yeah. Ha- and some things, okay, you missed the mark. Like I can't have the pressure of it being perfect. I can't have the pressure of it's like, no regrets whatsoever, only happiness, no hurt. It's like I need a balance of being a whole human person living uh, an existence, a full existence with all of the things in it. I obviously want it to be a net positive, but the pressure of no regrets, YOLO, and happiness, happiness only makes me anxious. Okay. I think that's that's a great way to say it because, I mean, I'm one of those people that's like no regrets, but mine isn't based off of like a – a YOLO type of thing as much as it's based off of uh, more so um, I say uh, I don't regret anything because if I regret it, then I feel like I didn't learn. But I guess it's basically what you're saying. I think we just say it differently. Yes. Mm. Yes. So yes. like I don't say it in the fact of the YOLO. So I guess it's more so what you're saying. Like those those shits like that I did that were like bad things where I'm like, yeah, that fucking, you know, I don't regret it because I'm learning. But Right. But hearing it with uh, through your your lens, I actually kind of like that better. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just it's too much pressure. All of the um, the positive thinking movement, which I think is good. A, it's it's it's, un- <laughs> it's uncultural for me, and okay. I know you're all about that. 
What do you have written there? Next Optimist. one, are you an optimist or pessimist? I think I'm, I need a balance. I, I need a balance. That. I love it. I love that. Okay, <laughs> sometimes I'm optimistic and sometimes I'm not feeling so good about some shit. I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't look a good. A realist. You know? yeah. yeah, it's just like sometimes I'm optimistic. It. This it's is like, so great. I can't have, like, I can't be put in this thing or that thing. And like, what if I'm in this thing and then I feel this one thing? I'm like, oh my God, am I trading the thing? Yeah. That I, it's like, no. You're going to feel a balance, a net positive, of course. Yeah. But through hurt, you learn all the stuff. It's like you can't even have that without the, like, none of it is any logical sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think, I mean, I would say I'm more optimistic. For sure. But I feel thanks like. Thanks to the Morses. <laughs> what'd you say? Thanks to the Morse family. Thanks to, thanks to the Morse But I do have this, like, fucking edge to me where yeah that, sure. that fucking guy yeah. is like you'll fuck you <laughs> you know what i mean but that i mean yeah. but that's the, i guess that's my it's impossible balance. to be happy all the time though and be yeah. like the world's great there's times you want to punch somebody come for on sure for sure i'm not happy you skipping every day life's wonderful and for no. me to complain is joy so also it's like i am happy pointing out like i could be on a yacht and be like you know the floors aren't. You know this is like I could find yeah. a problem anywhere. It doesn't yeah. mean I'm unhappy. It just means I'm being me, and you got to calm down, okay? But but it's not a bad thing. I don't want like every time you do shit. something bad, it's like or if I do something like point out, you know, uh, or I complain that oh I'm passive. No, that's actually me being joyful, okay? Yeah. And there's different ways to be joyful, and there's different ways, okay? Like it's just it's too much pressure for everyone to be the same type of view of positive and whatever. It's like. I think what makes me feel the best is being me the most. And just like that is just going to be net positive, but it allows me room to make mistakes to not feel the pressures of like, I don't know, stepping out of line or this something. might be my new way of living, which she's talking about now. I love that. It's yeah. Great. That's some real Kirby enthusiasm. Rob, Robbie out here. Robbie out here. Being on a yacht. Yeah. Robbie out here. Inspiring. Totally, Look at this. Man, yeah. Look, Look at, at this. this. Yeah. So what are you working on now? What's new for you? What's coming? I'm working on my development projects on my shows and uh, a ton of stand-up still too. Um, I'll be at the, for, I don't know when this comes out, but I'm going to be doing yeah, about yeah. a new hour um, at the New York Comedy Fest on November 11th at Little Fields and I'm going to have some oh, yeah, my I think friends I saw up that. there. Yeah. yeah. Are you down there? No. Okay. Okay. Is that, where is that? Where is that? Um, New York Comedy. Uh, oh, New York. Yeah, New okay. York. Okay. So are are you gonna be? You're not gonna be in New York at that time. I've been in New York. One I can't wait to tell Rappaport all about you at this podcast. When, when, when is it? I don't know what it is. You, anyway, you should be opening for Rappaport. So I'm somewhere. There. I would love to. I'll make it happen. I would love I'm to just, make it happen. I yeah, am. yeah. So um, you can you know you can follow me on Instagram at Robbie Hoffman, and I post in my stories all the shows that are upcoming. I'm pretty last minute with it. Maybe a day before, <laughs> two days before. The New York show is posted a month ahead because it's a bigger show. Um, but I'll be in San Francisco opening for Best Selling um, next week, uh, October. Shout out to Best Selling. Shout, yeah, literally uh, October twelfth to fifteenth at the Punchline. Okay, now that you're in the comedy game for a while, you didn't grow up really watching comedy. Do you have a favorite comedian? At, at I love everybody doing it. Okay. I have a lot less favorite comedians now that I do it. I have respect mm. for so many more people that do it. Um, Good point. You know, I respect. I I, I appreciate. I love the greatest, the biggest. You know, I still love. Uh, Ellen Howard Stern uh, you know like the biggest names you could think of doing it yeah. um, I I still well, and obviously Howard Stern's not a comedian but you know is he uh, so <laughs> uh, you know I, I but I also like all the I like people coming I like like anybody doing it and doing what they do best you know um, 
I remember watching this guy, Bill Engvall, who's like an old like blue belt. Yep. Co- and I yep. was like, I love him. Like he does. He had this bit about, you know, I'm with stupid. If people, stupid people wore a sign, <laughs> it'd be so much easier if they just wore a sign. We'd all understand it and it would be easier. Like that spoke to me on such a level. And it's like, apparently he's some blue, you know, or like some Republican. Like, I, I don't even know. But I'm like, I just love anybody doing what they do yeah. really well. Yeah. Um. So there's, uh, I have a ton of favorites. You know, the specials I liked, it, it turns out that all the specials I liked in Pandemic were gay girl. Like, they were all dykes, so I don't know. But I love, like, <laughs> Tig's animated special. There was no reason for it to be animated. Um, I loved, I, I loved um, Nanette, Hannah Gatsby's special, Douglas, which everybody's going to be mad. Just watch Douglas. It's I'm excellent it writing. Um, and I love Sam Jay's special. So it was like literally all three. And I was like, maybe I do. I like it. But, but I love, <laughs> you know, I loved Michelle. Buteau. I love everybody who's doing it well and doing yeah. it at an elite level. I think I just like the biggest to the whatever. And you both find it very therapeutic doing comedy. Um, telling stories and I don't know. I don't know if it's therapeutic as much as it's just fun as fuck. I feel like for you, though, your story and the mm. stuff you went through and your you know, your anger management and your life and the way you tell those stories. Yeah. Now I just tell those stories differently. Okay. Like, yeah. I mean, when I was telling them, like when I told those stories in anger management, I told them in a way that was just very, you know, tough. Yeah. Uh, but now I tell them in such a funny way because now I've just found the humor in it. I think yeah. humor has just always been a thing in me, even though I didn't really fuck with comedy or, or anything like that. So I think it's just always been in me. And it's like, why not laugh about that shit? This shit funny now. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Same for you. Yeah, I guess it's therapeutic. I never call it like, I guess, yes, I'm doing it. And it feels, you know, like I, I guess it's therapeutic. Um, I can't tell when therapy is happening. Mm. It's the issue with me. Like, I, I really don't know how to. I think I'm getting better. I think therapy's yeah. out, and I do real therapy, and I yeah, do I just this. started doing it too first time, yeah. But it's like I, and I, I definitely know through like like a, a big breakup or something, processing stuff and realizing more about myself. And it's like I used to really shut away from like, oh well, because when I was a kid, this happened. I'm like, shut up and move forward. Mm. Okay, the past is the past, and you just move on. But now I'm really about like all about like oh. Exa- because this happened to you a fight like this it is literally all about your childhood i've made a total yeah i've made a total roundabout so i can tell it when it's happening that thing like oh i'm triggered by this thing because of this thing but i can't tell in the moment when therapy is happening i'm sure it's happening over yeah. time and i look back but in the moment can i tell something is therapeutic i feel good yeah and i've definitely processing through things through stand-up which has to be therapeutic but i can't it's that's those are hard questions for me to answer because mm. I don't really like I, I don't know if I'm giving a right answer or not. What like, makes I you don't feel good? It makes you feel what the benchmarks are. It's you probably know? like a release. It makes you guys both feel happy doing that and comedy in front of crowds and yeah. getting stuff out and because this is a really people laugh. Yeah, this is a really hard concept to try and explain how I'm thinking about stuff. But I wish, like, let's say like Ben Shapiro and like. Um, and like Trevor Noah. Yeah. Let's say, yeah, <laughs> let's say, yeah, they got to talking and like, they both have like a point about something. I wish there was like a God or something right then and there who could tell us like who was really right. Mm. 
Like, cause I don't always, I'm like, and those are, you know, like polar opposite examples, but totally. people who are even closer together in nuance and in ideology, I'm like, okay. Then I started, oh, it got to it. Get I, was, I thought you were trying to go. No, I'm like, opposite. who's right. Well, like, I feel like some, like if I said yes, therapy was happening. Okay. I want like the God to come down and be like, actually no therapy happened at that point. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but he'd be like, yeah, you yeah, had yeah. therapy. That was actually great for you. And I was yeah. like, I don't know. I can't bird's eye view it enough. And yeah. I feel like I want there to be a ref and there can't be. It's always gray. <laughs> Have your parents seen you do comedy? Yes. I mean, my, my, actually both. Um, but my, uh, my mother has come. She's extremely supportive. Um, you know, she doesn't like, she sometimes says, you know, she goes, well, you, you didn't tell them I tried. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, my, that's not the joke. Oh, and by the way, my mother did the best she could. And by the way, if that I is... I know, the, right? <laughs> if that is the best you could, maybe it's not good enough. By the way, by the way, if that, maybe you don't want people to know that's the best you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even though, of course, with, a, you know, she was so spread out. Like, But it's like, she's like, her big thing is like, she forgets it's comedy. Yeah. You didn't tell the people I tried. And it's like, Ma, they know. They know. You're there. Your mom's so incredible. Yeah, so, that's such a parent thing your when it comes like, to yeah. comedy. Your mom's badass. Like, shout out to your shout mom. Shout out man. to mom. Raising all those kids on her own and just all that. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Fuck. I'll give her this episode. She's. Yeah. I don't think she ever heard me on a podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. She now now she'll to know that podcast. you told, told us that she tried. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, Ma, we all know you tried yeah. and you did great. Yeah. And the last that. thing, neither you... Do you, you get worried about getting canceled or speaking your piece in this world they're in right no, now? Like worry about I could care things less. you can and can't say? I don't know. Because uh, honestly, like when you think about it, a lot of times, I mean, I know as far as you and I, yeah. I, I, like I said, I can't speak for anybody I know, else. I love you say that. But I think as far as I go, I'm just saying what I'm going to say. And it's, and it's not too... too um, my intentions aren't to make someone offended. And, and, and so if I, yeah, if something is said to where it's like, I'm like, well, how, how did you get there? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, I'm never like, trying to yeah, say, no so, you know, trying, I'm just trying yeah. to express myself and I'm not always right or wrong or yeah. anything. I'm just talking things out. You know what? I, I really don't love hurting people. I remember early in my career, um, I did a show in Montreal and I had a fat joke. I had a joke that was like, it was about online dating had just started or something. And I said, what is the goal of people who don't post realistic pictures? Because if I did an online dating, I would have a, a shot of my head, my face, and then I'd have a full body. And so that you could have a, as realistic and then I would have a description about myself so I could try and portray to you in a snapshot what you're getting when you come there. But yeah. people who don't post a full body, it's like, what's the goal? Surprise, I'm fat. Like, how do you go to date mm -hmm. to... If you're not just you, then what's the plan going forward? You know, that you catfish somebody into see, you know. Yeah. So I thought it was, you know, this was back when, you know, uh, people were talking, you know, about stuff like this. And somebody wrote me. She wrote me. She said, hey, I've been a fan. And I was new in stand-up, too, maybe like two years. She said, I've been following you around the scene of blah, blah, blah. And I was really disappointed to hear that. And I, it, it did get me because I was mm. like, oh, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. I didn't mean it like that. Like, and I did mean it like that, but I was like, Oh my God. Like I feel like, and I was like, you know what? You're right. I don't need to like, 
if I can limit her, it goes back to Kashrut. If I could apply humanity to what I do and limit her, then I would prefer to do that without, with still being true to myself and yeah. trying expanding ideas and trying not to limit how I think and, and talk to people and relate to people and getting to understand others and finding commonalities rather than yeah. focusing on differences. So I just said, you know what? Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try and adjust the joke, and if you can continue to support me and come out and let me buy you a drink and apologize, and she did. No way. Yeah, and she came up to me. And I said, you know, I, I I that's amazing. I don't think of what it's like to be bigger, and and it's one of the last things, and I you know, and I just didn't feel good about it. So I definitely. Tr- it's amazing. You know, I'm not trying to not be canceled. Can- like, I think that that's become this like very polarizing thing right now and this fun kind of weird public thing that's happening. But on a personal level, like I'm just trying to talk and relate and understand you and understand myself through what I do. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't always get it right and I don't always get it wrong. And there's a lot of right and there's a lot of wrong and there's a lot of just like growing but i think yeah i think in terms of like people wanting the shock value of do i don't know if that's really my style anyway mm-hmm. i i completely agree I, my shit's not of of shock it's more so just it's i mean it's a lot of it is just self-reflection totally on my life through a lot of situations that you know that anyone anyone can can go through so i i, I mean it, yeah it'd be weird to kind of cancel me for talking about my own life, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess because yeah. I don't have any I, I don't have any hot takes on anything. But, and yeah. I do have a lot of hot you know? takes, and I have opinions on things I know nothing about. I'll have an opinion on anything. <laughs> I don't need to know about it. I don't yeah. need to like. I'll just yeah. talk out whatever. So, and I might not always. You know, sometimes I think like people think I think something that I don't think or something like that. Same. Um, so I might not think exactly what, how you think or, or whatever, but the intent is never about you. It's just to kind of express myself or, yep. or you yeah. know, and 100%. if it's wrong, I want to talk about, like, I always want it to expand the conversation, not shut down the conversation yeah. mm-hmm. if possible. Now, if it's a hateful conversation or something that just like needs not to be engaged in, that's one thing, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, thank you both for being. I'm excited for both your careers and seeing how yeah. oh, everything's you. going. It's beautiful, man. Yeah. You guys are very young. I'm very old and just seeing, you know. No, it's cool. Guys, thank you. Guys I appreciate it. Well, thanks for incredible. the opportunity to yeah. be on here. Yeah. You're amazing. And your, your story is incredible. And where you're at now. And it's awesome. It's fascinating. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. And your family thank and you. your mom. And Tammy, your mom. Oh, my God. Ma, you're listening to this. Okay. <laughs> I said, as they are my witness, I said to everybody, you tried and you did great. You're still doing great. Yeah. Really great. And I'm happy you're happy with your own skin and your and where yeah. you are in your world and your life. Yeah. Oh, if my mother's listening. She'll know that for the first time. Oh, shoot. She'll be worried sick, but she'll get over it. We'll talk about it. But you do feel good in your body and your, everything now. And you just feel, I feel like great. I feel awesome. great. You know, I got my pap coming up. My, uh, every three years you get the pap smear. Not looking forward to that. It's a big Q-tip up there and I'm not into the penetrative, you know, <laughs> but so we, we do our pap. We, we get our fingering done for the, for the year and, and we move on. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you guys can follow me at Robbie Hoffman on Instagram, <laughs> and I am Robbie Hoffman on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank, Thank you, you for Robbie. This is fucking awesome. Thank, Thank you, Chappelle you. Navy Show. Thank you. Of course. Bye, y'all. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. 
I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now and I can't stop. I've had laser treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other. And that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swiped the credit card. Don't really tell me much. Didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo up in one sitting. You have to be patient. And it's painful. They ice you up. It's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to Removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 removal treatments done. 100 locations, U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology, cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code tobyh 2 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out. Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch, and anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com slash Toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam. Yo, yo, Liquid Death. Thank you so much for hydrating all my guests taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water. Love your brand. Love what you stand for. Love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. Stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. <laughs>